Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time now for the Six Rings Post Game Show. Breaking down everything Patriots with Nick Fitzy Stevens and Andy Hart. The Six Rings Post Game Show is co-sponsored by Zudi. Build any application your company needs in one week. Visit ZUDY.com for your free trial. By New England Recovery Center in Westboro, where recovery is possible. By your local New England Kubota tractor dealers. By Northeast Electrical, where pros need pros at needco.com. By Catches Law Group, the personal injury pros at catcheslaw.com. And by Anderson Windows and your local Anderson Windows dealer. Now, here's Fitzy and Hart on WEEI. of one of the more memorable, emotional weeks in NFL history and one of the more frustrating Patriots seasons in recent memory came a clash of division foes with similar agendas against an unforgettable backdrop. The Buffalo Bills, three-time defending division champions, dominant in many recent matchups against New England, rode a wave of resilience and inspiration thanks to the miraculous recovery of safety DeMar Hamlin. The Patriots mired in turmoil, dysfunction, and, unpro- and under-productivity came in hoping to play the part of spoiler and get the upset win and punch their ticket to the playoffs. The result? Another Sunday full of promise, broken dreams, self-inflicted wounds, turnovers, and disappointment. The final in Buffalo, Buffalo 35, New England 23. The New England Patriots finish for the third time in the Bill Belichick era with a losing record of 8-9 and nine and have been eliminated from the postseason. Good afternoon, hello, and welcome, everyone. This is your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens alongside Andy Jumbo Hart with the Six Rings postgame show on 93.7 FM, WEEI, and all across the WEEI Sports Radio Network. You can join the show at any time by giving us a call at 617-779-7937. That's the number. Keep it locked in. Producer Nick LaPan will be happy to greet you and give us your season-ending thoughts, and we'll take a look ahead at what's to come for the Patriots. But right now we're talking about a very, very, very frustrating defeat, a game the Patriots actually were in for three quarters and even took the lead at one point in the third quarter as they were outplaying the Buffalo Bills in an emotional Highmark Stadium. The socials at WEEI, at FitzyGFY, and at Jumbo Hart. Andy, for a while there, honestly, guy, I thought they were going to do it. I thought the Patriots were going to do the unthinkable and save their best for last. And they almost did. They really almost did. But you can't on a day. You just can't give up 200-yard kickoff return touchdowns in a game ever and expect to win. If anything, dare I say, that was probably the most quintessentially New England Patriots 2022 way to lose a game and end the season. Well, I think it was a mirrored loss. And I say that you've sort of lived thanks to defensive touchdowns, punt return touchdowns. You've lived that life that Belichick always calls points you can't really count on. 
today you gave up the points that you can't really count on from the opening 14 seconds when I think everybody on the planet was thinking, well, probably 55-3 to Bills today after the opening kickoff for a touchdown, 96 yards, Naheem Hines. And Mm -hmm. Patriots went punch for punch. They hung in there. They wouldn't die. They gave it away. They'd get it right back. And it was really, objectively speaking, and I know fans probably don't want to hear this, it was a really entertaining football game. It was a really fun football game that unfortunately – leaves you on the outside looking in at the postseason. But um, if I'm going to be silver-lining Andy Hart, if you can ever have a pretty nice passing day when you throw three interceptions, I thought Mac Jones had it today. Those people that believed the season was about Mac Jones, I think there was a late run by your young quarterback to say, I don't suck as bad as you think I suck, and I might be the future. Mac Jones is the last person, save for that one uh, 50-50 ball or sideline pass that he threw the way of Nelson Aguilar in the second, that was third quarter, excuse me, third quarter, third quarter. Yeah. the early third quarter interception he threw, which was just a poor choice, just a bad look, wasn't the right, and a bad play right by reason, Aguilar, the right guy. That's I don't think like, Aguilar did anything on that play. I, no, like, he did. I, it looks like he just at least he went for it in the playoff game when he when he went deep for Aguilar and Micah Hyde made that spectacular interception. This one, it looks like he just sort of like gave up on it along the way. That's you. That's Devonte Parker territory. That's that's Parker country. Yep. Fifty. You saw ball, that later. Same. Which we saw later on a spectacular, t- a perfect, an absolute dime, as my son called it. Twenty-six yards to Parker at the goal line. He rolled in for six. That's that's where Devonte Parker does his best work and lives and dies. That was a bad choice by Mac. But otherwise, the the, the other two interceptions later, forget him. The, uh, they they weren't the undoing of the Patriots today. The Patriots. Now I will say, today, you saw. The di- even with Mac, I thought playing well. Certainly in the first half, I think he went like thirteen of sixteen. You're in a fourteen fourteen ball game. I thought he played really well, but you also saw the difference between Mac playing well and Josh Allen, even when he's maybe not playing his best. But any one play, he can roll out and chuck the ball fifty five yards for a dime touchdown. Oh That's like gosh. he's on a different level, and you see that it only takes a handful of plays to really tell you the massive difference between Josh Allen and admittedly. Most NFL quarterbacks. He's in the top, you know, handful top of three. guys on the planet right now. But um, definitely a, a juxtaposition there between the skills of their quarterback when he needs to make a play and the skills of your quarterback when he needs to make a play. Yeah. Mac Jones on the day finishes 26 of 40, 243 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. I do not believe that stat line tells the entire story nope. of his effort and how he played today. Whereas you just mentioned Josh Allen started pretty slow, as a matter of fact. Yep, 19 of 31, 254 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, but two throws, dare I say, only Josh Allen could make. Now, I had the discussion earlier this week on the Rich Keefe show. We played a little Would You Rather, and Would You Rather Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? And I think between the two, I understand no one is better at improvisational playmaking than Patrick Mahomes, as the guy also just finishes the season with the most combined yardage for a quarterback in NFL history. That shovel pass he threw to McKinnon on the opening drive yesterday proved positive of what a unique and uh, generational talent he is. But when Josh Allen does things like rolls to his right, throws against his body, and throws a 55-yard tethered laser to John Brown that he extends and catches in the end zone for six, very reminiscent, Andy, if you will, of the touchdown pass that was not called a touchdown in the second quarter of the... Thursday night loss, 24-10, Patriots suffered against Buffalo. Remember that one, like in the back of the end zone against Jonathan Jones? Same thing, rolling to oh, his yeah. right. Oh, yeah, yep. What this guy can do, and then, of course, the pass to Diggs. Oh, 
Jonathan truly... Jones is even a good coverage, and he just drops it in Steph Diggs' basket. Again, Kendrick Bourne played pretty well today. Devontae Parker, terrific day. We had flashes from Jacoby Myers, who had an awesome toe-tap touchdown uh, in the first half as well. But look at what happens when you give a true A number one, unique alpha talent to a quarterback on the rise. They're able to get together and do special things. But before we even get further into the how Mac Jones played and you know Mac Jones being being potentially the answer in the future, I hope a lot of people watch this game today, and I'm sure it was a massive national audience. It's going to draw insane ratings. Locally, I hope people watch because with a competent game plan, some well-executed, well-timed calls, and a chance to throw... Mac Jones did have an excellent day today, but Andy, no matter how much Mac Jones, quote-unquote, as the kids like to say, balled out today, you're not going to overcome 200-yard touchdown returns. I, I mean, leave Cam Accord in Buffalo. Tell him to walk. Buy your own ticket back on JetBlue. Rent a car. Uh, use Turo. Whatever. That's fine. And, and still, I know it's not his responsibility to physically make the guys tackle, but my God, what an awful way for a legend like Matthew Slater to have to go out with maybe one of the worst showings on special teams in the Bill Belichick era. Yeah, I mean, there's no awful. no excuse. I think oh. they said there had been four kickoff returns all year, and you give up two to Naheem Hines in a in a must win situation. Yeah, and then you add in the two long touchdown throws. I mean, four big plays, and I know you can't take them away. Like you fought hard, you played more than even with the Buffalo Bills, but the explosive plays on offense, the two throws from Josh Allen, and then the explosive plays in the kicking game and go home. And and that's uh, it's too bad because we shouldn't be here, and certainly we can all go back through the season in terms of you know the Bears' loss and, and things that should have come out differently, the lateral in Las Vegas and all those things. But even with all that in the rearview mirror, you showed up in a tough situation today. Everybody thought it was a tough spot. Everybody was picking the Bills. I watched all the pregame shows, uh, blah, even Teddy Bruschi. Everybody's on the Bills. You hung with them. You had a chance, and you just – the funny thing is, and we, we shouldn't do this. I've actually argued against doing this. This is anti-Patriots, right? GTFB. You don't give up big plays in the passing game. Make them earn it. Make them march down the field and play good in the kicking game. Play three phases of football. Those are not Belichick's Patriots anymore, and today you lost because of it. No, that's not Bill Belichick football, but how many times have we said on this postgame show, whatever hour we've filled in across the dial, and of course the Six Rings podcast, that the more often that the New England Patriots do things that did not resemble the winning football they played during the double dynastic run, the more often they do things like this now, post-Tom Brady, this is more the norm now, Andy. This is Absolutely. like Patriots football is coming to be redefined as making mistakes, as finding ways to lose the game, as not coming through in the clutch, falling to teams that you used to beat, being the team that gives up the head scratching long pass kickoff return. I, I hate to say I mean, I, I hate to say it, whether I'm hosting a radio show, having to try to be critical and provide analysis or I'm a fan in the other room chowing down on a bucket of Christmas popcorn, you know, the tricolor kind. There's no greater kind around this time of year. With my two sons, helping them grow their love of Patriots football and more. These are just facts. Like, this is how the Patriots are now. In the three seasons, this is such a tough reality to swallow. In the three seasons since Tom Brady left, Bill Belichick now, if you include the playoffs, has a losing record. 
Yep. A, a losing record. He is one game under 500, playoffs included, since Tom Brady left town. I know it takes a long time to rebuild a roster, a roster that you said you built entirely for and sold out for with Tom Brady. I get it. But it just, it just, it, it confuses me and frustrates me to no end to see these Patriots play the way that they took advantage of in other teams for so long. It seems anti-Patriot, Andy, but now it's more becoming the Patriot way. And it's just an awful way to send out legends like Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater, if in fact that was their last game in a Patriots uniform. And and you start to get into talent versus execution. You know, our guy, and, and I don't want to you know, bury the guy, bully the guy, but Miles Bryant was on the receiving end of one of those long touchdowns oh. and bounced right off of Hines on the second kickoff return. He was sort of directly responsible for two of the big play touchdowns, two of the four, and that's a guy that I don't believe should be on the field. Like, I don't think he's good enough. No. I, I've told you this all year. I would target him. If I were an opposing quarterback, I would look for 27, and I'd throw that way as often as possible. So we do need to get back to there's some talent differentials. You mentioned it. Stephon Diggs is on one team. Stephon Diggs is making big plays when the big plays need to be made. Devontae Parker made some plays, but is he a true number one? You know, like there's a a talent differential between these two teams in a lot of ways, and that's why the Bills are, you know, theoretically could have competed for the number one seed, but the number two seed, they're one of the best offenses in football. They have one of the better defenses in football. You know, they have former first-round picks on both sides of the ball that make some big plays for them. Yeah. So I think the execution is a key, but there's that weird gray area where execution and talent overlap. Are you not executing because you're poorly coached? You might argue that with the special teams because we've seen enough of those mistakes over the last two years. Or are you not executing because there's a deficiency in talent in some areas? And I think there's a combination of those two issues is why you're an 8-9 and nine football team and the offseason is here. Uh, can I also uh, offer up that while we expect there to be a change and we will do we'll play a little fill in the blank later we'll give you some probabilities on last calls whether certain players return potential free agents that may look to play football elsewhere and beyond uh nobody wants to hear this but i feel like i need to say it matt patricia wasn't the problem today everybody no Th- today Today's this offense L in no nice. way shape or form is on matt patricia in fact i thought he actually called a really good game to the point where it was like andy I tweeted it. You either thought it or tweeted it. Millions of others did. Where the frig was this offense all season? Where was this play calling? Where was this confidence in execution? That's the one concern that there was an outlier group of fans had that want Matt Patricia out and worry that a late season surge in competency could affect the decisions in the offseason. Because the way I look at this, and maybe I'm cold-hearted, and I know these are these are men with families and jobs, but maybe I'm sorry, this is the business we've chosen. This is the business we're in. That you should have two new coordinators next year. Offense and special teams, right? Like, uh, to if me, they don't have a obvious. new special teams coordinator next year, I'm not watching. You're lying. <laughs> You're burning your jerseys. Stop catching me in the middle. Stop calling me on my lies. I'm in a glass case of emotion. But, like, I don't mean to be harsh like that, but the defense is pretty good. I know Steve Belichick was getting quite a, a tongue bath from Tony Romo, talking about how good he is. Oh, uh, and I, I actually thought he Romo did a nice on job. the call again, it'll be a day too soon. I love when people have jumped on the Romo bandwagon. He has stunk since day one, and you people just finally realized it. I loved his um, stumbling through the final seconds. Did you hear when he said, and now the Bills know that 
They won't have to play in another team's stadium as long as they win. And then he goes, well, you, you know, they will, but but, but, but it won't be the uh, Chiefs. Uh, and he just kind of fumbled it away because he said something stupid and couldn't, couldn't pull out of it. <laughs> So quintessentially Romo as type of play. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no, 100, like 100%. when you go to replay and he goes another team stadium except the neutral site that hopefully they'll actually right. be able to which actually belongs to another team. It's just not the Chiefs team and right. there were how many replays were there where he was like I don't know. Okay, thanks for your opinion. <laughs> really appreciate you Ordway just kind of sitting in the middle of the fence there. This is what makes you wish, uh, not to go too behind the production door or curtain here, but this is what makes you wish TV, which obviously they crush it on some of these premiere broadcasts and everything about going there early today and showcasing all the love for Hamlin and the energy and the mood in the stadium was spectacular. But this is really, they do the replays on the plays and whatnot. Terrific refereeing crew today. Uh, I wish they almost had like radio drops so that a producer could just play back Romo's audio so he could hear on the fly. And have a laugh at how what an absolute clown he sounded like half of this game today. Uh, for anyone who uh, was watching the game and wants to know exactly what the playoff implications are from the 1 o'clock affair, the playoff teams have been set. We don't know the times and dates for the AFC playoff games next weekend yet on Super Wild Card Weekend. It's uh, three games on Saturday, two on Sunday, and then one on Monday. But the seven participants in the AFC will be the number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs, who get next weekend off. Then you have the Buffalo Bills playing the number seven seed, Miami Dolphins, who win a torrid 9-6 affair with Skylar Thompson under center in Miami to punch their ticket. The Pittsburgh Steelers won 28-14. It's a damn shame a team that's playing as well as they are doesn't get in and provide a little entertainment because at least I thought they would have given them a game up in Buffalo. The three seed will be the Cincinnati Bengals, the four seed, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who won 20-16 to last night in Duval and your wildcard teams. The Los Diego Chargers, the Baltimore Ravens, oh boy, and the Miami Dolphins. Damn shame. Damn but shame, Andy. I find the last two teams interesting just because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, and the quarterback <laughs> makes a big difference. That's wildcard now, weekend. Well, yeah, if it's the negative, but if Lamar Jackson returns, like the Ravens are a completely different team. Now, the Dolphins, who knows what they're going to be. I feel like they're destined. Tyreek Hill got banged up today. I feel like they're destined to be uh, one and done. Yeah, I, I'm i not placing any wagers on next weekend. Of course, I'll watch every single second of it. But um, no no wagers just yet. But do you think this, uh, this Buffalo team today, do you think they played? Uh, did Buffalo play as well as you expected, not as well as you expected, or you weren't even really sure because of what an emotional environment it would be? Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. Now, I thought they were going to play better once the opening kickoff went for a touchdown because I thought that was sort of like a reliever, a sigh of relief. Okay, we oh, can yeah. just play and momentum and everything. And then they found themselves in a dogfight for much of three-plus quarters, early fourth quarter of this football game and give the Patriots credit for creating some of that. I thought they made some plays they needed to offensively. I thought defensively, when Steve Belichick chose to pressure, they got some pressure on Josh Allen. The problem is when they chose not to pressure and just rush the simple three at times and even four a couple times, uh, Josh Allen stood back there, patted the ball, they said at halftime, patted the baby, burped the baby, and then found an open receiver. So, no, I, I, I thought the Bills were fine. Coming off everything, uh-huh. the unknown of this week, I, I thought they were fine. I, I think they'll need to play better. I don't think they played well enough today to beat the Chiefs or the Bengals. They'll, they'll, they'll need to play better if it gets to that point, but... Um, they did what they needed to do to secure what they needed to secure. 
they did the job. They they yeah. they did exactly what they needed to do. We we all likely or probably figured they would play an imperfect game given the emotional week that they had, the ups and the downs, the uncertainty even about if the game would get played, let alone on time. But once they got the positive once they got the positive news about Hamlin's recovery, uh, I think Buffalo just, you know, set their eyes and their focus on Sunday. And you knew there was going to be a charged environment. You knew you were going to get a whale of an effort from them. But there would be some there would be some uncertainty. Guys like Josh Allen just can't be as amped up as they are and play a mistake-free, perfect football game. You knew there would have to be some mistakes made along the way, some imperfections. And I, I for one, thought the Patriots would give it their best effort. But the reality is this. The Patriots' best effort this year against the good teams just wasn't good enough. And maybe maybe it is if they play a perfect game, but these Patriots are not capable of playing a perfect game. So the closest thing you'll get, Andy, to a perfect game from the 2022 New England Patriots, 8-9 and and Dunsky, no playoffs for them, is a game where they only maybe turn it over once, have a handful of penalties, and maybe give up one big special teams play. But instead today... The refs definitely were not on their side. Whoo, boy. Talk about a sell yeah. job, WWF-style vintage from the I thought 1980s. the refs actually gave both teams some some. Oh, yeah. Leeway. No, they were – yeah, they were, the refs were – I think they, they chose they, basically not to call any – well, I mean, for three quarters, they basically didn't call anything. No, they didn't. Um, and so I I actually like that style of play. I actually the let them play they, style? Yeah, then I thought they started calling some ticky-tack yep. um, fouls both ways, which I'll never understand. You let them play for three quarters, and then you make questionable calls in the fourth quarter. I don't – Never understood that philosophy, but yeah, you. I think both sides would have some uh, arguments. Now, there was the blatant offsides. I don't know how that gets missed. I don't know how a man can stand on one side of the field, a man can stand on the other side of the field on a line, look down the line, and not tell when a man crosses that line before he's allowed to. He's, his Half his body was over the line of scrimmage, and he was in the backfield before they snapped yep. the ball, and they didn't call offsides. Also... Nope. There were a couple of different pass plays. I took little videos and shared them on my timeline at Fitzy GFY, if anyone wants to see them, where Buffalo's defenders, one actually one was Tremaine Edmonds on the pass to Myers right before the end of the half. The other was a pass play in the corner of the end zone that was being defended by Matt Milano. And the Bills defenders never turned to face the quarterback or face the ball, just went hands up, clubbed the Patriots' receivers, in the face with their arms, knocking them off spot before the ball gets there, and they just, you know, hey, you know, hey it's football. Hey, it's a physical sport. We'll just let them play. Like, come on, you got one job out there, refs. Try to call it clean. Try to call it even-handed. But, again, even if the Patriots got those calls, I don't think those would have ultimately made the difference, and I don't think that's what they're going to be harping on in the locker room or whenever they get a chance to review today's game. And the season. Once again, the final from Buffalo, 35-23. to 23. This is the Six Rings postgame show on WEI. We'll be with you till 7.30 until we throw it to coverage from Westwood 1 of Sunday Night Football, a game that we don't know just yet if it's a playoff game, if you will, proverbially speaking, between Detroit and the Packers. If the Seahawks lose, then it's win and you get in. So we'll be here with you till 7.30 tonight. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. If the lines are packed, hang tight. We'll get to you. We'll make sure we share all the thoughts, the frustrations, the aggravations of today's game, the postseason, and what it could have been the entire season, what kind of changes you believe will be coming for the Patriots, and what changes you want to see. Andy, given how frustrated – I mean, we're in a position because of what we do where the longer the Patriots play, the more we have to talk about. 
Yes. There'll still be plenty to talk about for weeks on the radio, on our podcast, and beyond. But are you, like some of the callers, like a lot of Pats fans, in the messages they shared with us in recent weeks, are you kind of glad this is over? Um, No, I'm never glad it's over because Same. this is our livelihood. I enjoy I mean, if I didn't enjoy talking and debating football, I wouldn't be in this line of work. So the fact that because, you know, the offseason will always be there. It's not yeah. like, oh, great. We got to something early, you know, getting to the buffet early before the good stuff is gone. No, no, no. We know the offseason, the draft, the coaching changes will always be there to talk about. If you had had a playoff game to talk about, there's always that chance of seeing something remarkable. Like I saw Rich Ornberger, former Patriots offensive lineman, does radio in San Diego now, say if the Patriots win in this environment in Buffalo after this week and everything that's gone on, they could beat anybody. I don't know whether I agreed with that, but it was a nice thought you could carry into a week if they did pull off this upset and say maybe they can do it twice. Maybe they can do this. Maybe so. I always root for the extension of the season and, and another game to be played because it's sports. You never know what you're going to see. Same here as well. I didn't want the season to come to an end. And I kind of agree. Like, if the Patriots that played this first half today could have played a full game, and, yeah, maybe they escaped Buffalo with a win, uh, they would have likely had to go to Cincinnati next weekend, and that would have been an interesting rematch of what uh, our Christmas Eve affair was. Patriots kind of owe Cincinnati one after fumbling away that one. That would have been fun. That would have been, that would have been great, but they weren't able to do that. And that's the story to me. When you start looking long view as to what the story of the 2022 New England Patriots is, to me that story is the imperfections of this team, the inability to get out of their own way, the repetitive mistakes, the things that they did to lose ball games. Because let's, yep. let's be honest, the Patriots got beat in plenty of football games this year, but this team did so much to lose ball games and you mentioned it earlier i'll be happy to go right back over it again you these guys now andy for the next nine the next eight months of their lives until they kick off a new season again in september of 2023 whichever players do in fact return from this iteration of the new england patriots for the next eight months these guys are going to be left thinking how did we not win that game in vegas why did we throw that away how did we not finish the comeback against Cincinnati how in the world were we not prepared to play the Bears what is wrong with us what what why did we do this why did we do this to ourselves why didn't we at least allow our opponents to beat us why did we have to do this to ourselves that's just going to make for a long next eight months well, I think it's funny we could actually do this in one of our upcoming uh, six rings podcasts Let's go back and break down the 17 games and decide how many of those games, the eight, the 17 outcomes, were wins by the victorious team or really losses by the defeated team. Because I think the Patriots gained a lot of wins by the other team losing the game, kicking the game away. And mm -hmm. I think the Patriots lost a bunch of games by kicking it away themselves. So it's almost like, I don't know, were 12 of the 17 games really losing efforts rather than they were winning efforts by the victors we should um, put that in your little notebook for a segment of the old six rings a segment that sounds like a that sounds like a week worth of uh, off-season podcast dissertation <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's gonna be a tough one also uh may i point out as one of the minor storylines or a couple of the storylines heading into today's game were the suspensions and now uh I guess we're going to have some protests uh, f filed or lobbied uh, by the agents or representatives of Jack Jones and especially Jake Bailey uh, over disagreements, uh, missing appointments, disagreements in treatment and returning from injured reserve. Uh, 
whatever Jake Bailey is paid, and it seems to be way too much for a punter, but whatever Jake Bailey is paid, I would have gladly paid him double just to have him on kickoffs today. Did I hope Patriots fans today, my my fellow members of Pat's Nation today, realize how important it is, how valuable it is to have somebody who can kick it through the back of the end zone. No, you know, no disrespect to my guy, Big Kick Nick, but he obviously doesn't have quite the leg that a Jake Bailey or someone else does for kickoffs, and it came back to bite the Patriots in the ass so many times today. Uh, and 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 of all things, when they decide to squit, this is oh God. You'd almost want to say, like, hey, Siri, show me the New England Patriots in one play this season. And I, of course, now just woke my phone up as well as millions of other ones by accident. But show me one play that, like, encapsulates the 2022 Patriots on the whole. It would probably be Nick Folk's attempt at a squib kick that sadly went out of bounds at the 20-yard line. Not kicking it smartly to Naeem Hines, but also giving a team like Buffalo the ball on the 40 and only a short 60-yard field. Just insane. Yeah, that was uh, emblematic, I guess they'd yep. say. But I thought a lot of plays were. Even the, like, even the last interception is Mac gets hit, throws it behind Harris, deflects off his hands, interception. It's like little things that cost you in the end. And... Now, they had plenty of big things, but, um, like, I'd be interested to see the All-22 and the breakdown oh. of the two kickoff returns for a touchdown and just see how bad it was, or is it one guy who tries to do a little too much, just like we saw in Vegas when somebody tried to do a little too much, or against the Bengals when somebody tried to do a little too much. You try to do a little too much, you do too much, and it costs you. And it does, and it costs you in the end, and it's just a... Uh... A bad look. I saw when the inactives came out at 11.30 and Brendan Schooler was not active, thereby putting Matt Slater in the full prominent leadership role that he usually carries on special teams, but without Brother School, as he calls him, the ascending star and possible uh, captain, if you will, of the special teams or the big special teamer going forward. I thought it was going to be troubling for them. I didn't think it was going to hurt them this much to this a degree, to this degree, but like there's how thin... There's how narrow, how small your margin of error is. That's how narrow the margin of error is when you're the New England Patriots. Now, like, you can't afford to have a special teamer miss the game against Buffalo in a critical season-saving game where you win and you're in, and if you lose, you're out. But, hey, so the 2022 Patriots go. Plenty to talk about for sure today and all season and off-season long. We didn't want it yet, Andy, but hey, the offseason is here, and we are here to comfort you. Take your calls. Provide further analysis. We'll share Mac Jones and Bill Belichick when they come to the podium. We'll get calls from our own guy, Kyrie Thompson and Christian Fourier, to bring an end to the season as well. Shout out to my guys, the Risses, that are driving home skiing right now, saying, hey, loving the Six Rings postgame show, guys. Thanks for keeping us company on the way back from watching the game or wherever you were. That's what Jumbo and I are happy to do. Once again, we're broadcasting from our Best Yet brand studio, and the Six Rings postgame show is brought to you by Zudi. Build any app your company needs in just a week. Visit Zudi, that's Z-U-D-Y dot com, for your free trial. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. It's Fitzy and Hart on the season-ending edition of the Six Rings postgame show on W-E-E-I. Okay, this is the final game, sir. Yeah, the slower and the boy. Just the bottom of what they meant to you and what they meant to this team. Yeah. It's been a lot. 
Patriot Center and team captain David Andrews at the podium earlier from Highmark Stadium in Buffalo, getting emotional and worked up about what leaders Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty, both of whom are likely to retire and call it a career, meant to him. An emotional moment, an emotional day. I mean, that's the easiest way to describe uh, a, a, a day in a game like this, Andy. Emotional from the lead up, the pregame show, all the way through, and now obviously in the postgame as well. And the roller coaster that was the game with, I, I, I still can't get over a kickoff return for a touchdown. Big plays. You throw an ugly pick. Oh, don't worry. He fumbles it back to you. Like plays in the end zone. That McCourty pass defense where he's running with his back and throws his hand up just reading the eyes of the receiver you know the fumble Mm -hmm. muffed punt fumble Matthew Slater kind of forces the guy into the ball like those guys were at the center of some of the big plays in this game and it was just a an up and down affair but I mean I think in the end you know what I'm really interested in actually reading the tweets Mm -hmm. is there's a number of I'm just so glad it's over this season was frustrating it was you know, one person said something about like one step forward, two steps back. And I can understand that it was frustrating because obviously it was frustrating for Mac Jones, Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick, the fans, everybody. But I don't I, I'm not sure I really understand the glad it's over mm. kind of sentence, especially was it that I, bad that people would want this to be over and not do it again? And especially when I understand glad it's over when you finish like four and 13. If you yeah. win this game, they tell you to fly to a city and play another game. They allow you to compete for a championship. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've continued to say that the person that I think that would have mattered most to is Mac Jones. Like, I think his resume saying two years in the NFL, two trips to the postseason, regardless of all the details around it, would have been a uh, a real feather in his cap. But I don't know. I just the sentiment I, I can understand wanting to move on to improvement, but wanting the season to end when you were battling for the playoffs I think is a weird is a weird spot it's a very very weird spot I can't believe anybody would ever want to pass up on the opportunity to get in the postseason to try to fix what's been ailing you hey you know it's the, it's the old line you know don't get a chance unless you make it to the dance but Patriots had their invitation rescinded today up in Buffalo back to the phones we go 617-779-7937 the frustrations of the Foxborough faithful continue Jake is in Boston. Oh, I bet he's got a peach prepared for us today. Hello, Jake. Yeah, Fitzy, year three, Brady's going to the playoffs again as a division champ, and Billy Boy and Crafty Bob are at home. Total frauds without their god of a QB, who you all took for granted for 20 years, thought it was the system, thought it wasn't him. It was obviously him, and he took a crap team to the playoffs on his side, too. Uh, Before eight months of victory. You know they have the same record, right? Yeah, but you know what? Okay, I'm just, just, okay, move on with your call. I just wanted to point that out. Go ahead. He won two games that Mac Jones never won to put him in a position where they actually won the division. So that's. Does does Mac Jones have uh, any receivers that, you know, would even make the Bucs? You could make an effort. If if Kendrick Bourne's actually put in an effort, he might be able to make that team. But he obviously loafed around today. No one noticed. Hunter Henry could make that team. Um, I meant receivers. Listen, silver lining here was that Miami won. So they're probably out of the Sean Payton sweepstakes. They're a week behind. I think Payton gets done this week, uh, given the compensation. So that's a positive. So you don't get that Brady-Payton rumored Miami uh, soiree because Tom Brady 
with those receivers, they would have won 13 games this year. Two, um, if Tom beats Dallas, I think you call up Jerry Jones and you dangle Bill Belichick and you see what you can get for him this offseason. And I do think you should be part of the Sean Payton sweepstakes. I do think you need to look at the next generation here because you have a 71-year-old head coach here at the start of next season who ain't getting any younger, and his kids obviously can't even get a sniff of an interview, so you know they're awful because otherwise they'd be hired elsewhere by now like Kyle Shanahan was. Uh, Number three, Kenny Pickett is everything you think Mac Jones is. He is a winner. He's someone that can step into the pocket, make those throws, is accountable, is not hunky-dory in the post. He is a winner. He won at Pitt. He won. He, he, I mean, to be honest, Tomlin should be at fault for the playoffs because, I mean, they should have gone to him after week one. Um, four, did you see Kraft getting into a fight with his new wife in the, in the suite in the third quarter? I thought that was hilarious. And then five, I know Just this week has one. been about life. I, I know this week's been about life and death. But um, if, we, if we really want to go down that road, the Patriots have four planes. They all burn a ton of CO2, and they're going to kill a bunch of All right, Jake, thanks very much uh, for taking Thank what was God. a reasonably so, analytical call and turning it into something that reminds me why it's a bad idea to take your call during any postgame show, whether it's the last one at the end of the season or one in the middle of the year. I just hate the factual inaccuracies or the just biases. So... Kenny Warren Pickett's was loafing around today. I disagree. Well, forget that. On. That's opinion. Kenny Pickett won at Pitt, right? But mm-hmm. Mac didn't win at Alabama because I believe they actually I guess the gave national him a ring. championship. Doesn't count as winning. And Kenny Pickett's a winner. Is he in the playoffs? Mm. Well, he's got a winning Mac, record. I guess maybe that's Jake's point. Like Mac is a rookie when he went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is Jake's point exactly? Because it was stupid. The whole call from start to finish, in my opinion, was stupid. Sometimes Jake entertains me. Tonight mm-hmm. he annoyed me with pure stupidity. Yep. Well, good thing is, Andy, since this is the final postgame show of the 2022 season, we don't have to take Jake's calls about the Patriots anytime soon. However, someone way up in Buffalo wants to victory lap us. They get to because they're going back to the playoffs and they've got a real good shot at making it to the Super Bowl. Hi, Chuck. Hey, how you guys doing? Oh, top of the world, man. Never better. Good yeah, game. you know, you know, Six Rings podcast and all, and you don't take in consideration the tuck rule. You know, you, you, you New England Patriots fans and your narcissism mm. is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. Mm. I mean, you're nothing without Brady. You're nothing without him. Belichick is a joke. Right. I mean, he's a joke. What's he done without Brady? Nothing. He hasn't I mean, done you, much, you but guys... we did have Brady for those 20 years. And uh, I'm not what sure are what you, you without Josh Allen? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's that's the thing. We have Josh Allen. We, we have had him. Tom Brady, Brady for 20 we, years. We didn't make the decision. We, we thoroughly enjoyed when he would be the older brother and sit on your head on the couch and never let you guys up. That was delightful. Was it, Too bad we don't, it doesn't and happen now, anymore. And, and you know what? Times change, and now we're on top. And now we're on top. You guys are a joke. Enjoy being the bottom feeders of the AFC East for the next, I don't know, decade. I mean, I mean, tell me about Chuck. It was a pleasure talking to you. The only disappointment (laughs) is that I let the call last longer than 13 seconds. Quick question. Yeah. Who finished in last place in the AFC East? Why, that would be the New York Jets. J E T S. So, like, these are the people that annoy me. The bottom feeders in the AFC East. No, no, actually. I'm not bragging about eight and nine, and I'm not even the super fan. I feel like, but the the idiocy of factual F-ups when you're trying to screw with somebody, 
if you're going to be an a-hole, be accurate. Right, mm-hmm. you got to have some facts behind it, or it all just falls apart. There's plenty Take to it rip from the Andy, Patriots everybody. on now. Take it No, from I know. All the I Jets absolutely... needed to do today, all they needed to do was score more than six points. They just could have scored ten points. They would have derailed the Dolphins, not allowed a division rival to limp into the playoffs as the number seven seed. Nope, couldn't do it. Can we? Um, I I owe Jake an apology actually, because one thing in his call actually did interest me. Mm-hmm. Um. I would absolutely call the Dallas Cowboys if they're one and done in the playoffs and try to get an emotional Jerry Jones to trade you like three first round picks for Bill Belichick to get that team over the hump. I would ab I keep saying it. Come again, Bill. wait, come again. That's a hot one to to to, uh, to drop on us right before we have to get to break. One more time. Treat Bill like Bill would treat Bill. If the Cowboys are one Oof. and done and Oof. Jerry Jones is the most emotional man on the planet, call him. See if he would trade for Bill Belichick. If you could get a couple first-round picks, two or three first-round picks for Bill Belichick, and then flip one of those for Sean Payton, I'm here for it. Wow. I wasn't sure you were going to be bringing some of that signature heart spice. But you know what? Hey, like I always say, I'm here for it. Everything is on the table in this, the season finale episode of the Six Rings Post. Yeah, you guys were a bunch of frauds. Now we're up on top. Buffalo, please call me. From the victory parade, call me from the duck boats that you probably will have to borrow from Boston if you want to ride them through downtown Buffalo. You know what? Don't have me insulting Buffalo because we were all on your side, but it's jackasses like that who call into postgame shows like this wanting to troll at a time when we were all unified behind Buffalo, behind Bill's Mafia, behind everything that happened this week. We tried to, I think we saw, Andy, the best part of sports fandom, the best part of the brotherhood sportsmanship this past week and it's knuckleheads like that that bring out the worst in people and it's a shame i apologize for even trolling buffalo i should have paid him no heed boy jake and chuck back to back that was an absolute double suck on the callers i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the next callers that we take in the next break to try to do like mac jones always says a little bit better 617-779-7937 is the telephone number back at you real soon Kyrie thompson calling in christian fourier calling in Andy Hart's thumbs up, thumbs down, the player of the game, and so much more as we broadcast from our best yet brand studio. It's the Six Rings Post Game Show on WEEI. Breaking down the game that was. This is the Six Rings Post Game Show. Here's Fitzy and Hart on WEEI. Are you satisfied with the progress you made this year? No. Um, obviously, you, know, you look at each year of your football life and you want to get better as a player. <clears throat> and I did, I learned a lot. And I think a lot of guys on our team learned a lot, um, but was not the progress that any of us wanted to make. So it starts with me and, um, you know, not to talk about last year or anything, but it's the same story here. Just towards the end of the season, we have to play better, have to win this game to get a chance to move on. And that's how every season's going to be in the NFL. You either, you know, get close to making the playoffs and you got to win out or you get there and you either win or go home. So I couldn't do that today. And, just proud of the guys. Like I said, it's just tough because we had such a good group of guys, the same group you know, I've been working with the past two years, and we made a lot of progress throughout the year, just not good enough to you know, consistently do it and, and all that. So it's just disappointing. Yeah, Mac Jones addressing the issue of why things didn't go the way that we thought they should have, how he was not able to make the progress that we thought he should have this year. Andy, the big storyline, and I think you and I both addressed it earlier, 
you and I believe that this game wasn't even close or remotely all about Mac Jones not being able to do the job. But you said it earlier, like this is kind of a lost season overall for the Patriots and a lost season for Mac Jones. Like even though he made strides today and showed you that when he gets good play calling, unified team, and they put their best effort forward, they can actually score the ball. They can actually drive the ball. They can make big plays. They can make splash plays. They can excite you. They can compete. Not for a full four quarters, but for a while against some of the better. Not all four quarters, obviously. But they can compete for a while against some of the better teams in the NFL. They gave themselves a chance to win this game. They were winning 17-14 in the third quarter. Then the defense fell apart. That second kickoff return touchdown. If you didn't think that this game was over when the Buffalo Bills get a 96-yard kickoff return to start the game, as if it was willed by the heavens, as if it was something out of a Hollywood script, by the time they get the second kickoff return touchdown, I mean, it just it just wasn't meant to be. But as far as Mac Jones goes, anyone who says, like, he's got to go, he's one of the things they need to change about this offseason, uh, you, didn't, you didn't watch the game today. You didn't pay attention to what's gone on this season. Want to play a game? Sure. I, I, I always love to play games. You can keep only one. Okay. Mac Jones or Bill Belichick. Woo! I wasn't ready for that kind of high stakes. Keep only one. You Damn. said you wanted to play a game. I love games. I just I like, like games a serial that don't killer put... there. Want to wow. play a game? <laughs> Shall we play a game? What do you got? I can Let's keep go. only one, answer. Let's go today. Uh, I can keep only one. I'll keep Bill. You keep saying that. I'll keep. Oh, sorry, I stepped on it. Okay, Belichick. I'd keep Bel- between the two. If I had to at this point. Blank to blank to wall. Yes, I'll keep Belichick over Mac Jones. But Hello. not. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> Jigsaw. Um, yeah, I'll, I'd keep Belichick, but it's not like a landslide. Believe me, it is not like oh, like in a in a you know a total landslide in a heartbeat, bro. Like eh, it'd be close. Cl- tough well, call. if you're a Mac guy, I think if you're a true Mac supporter, if you believe he is a good starting franchise, top 12, whatever, NFL quarterback, I think you'd say Mac because you'll say I'll get 10, 12, 15 years out of him compared to five at the most out of Bill, whatever the number you put on Bill that's relatively small. But I think right now there are questions about both. Like I got a tweet from somebody who was like, going to be interesting to see who Kraft hires in the offseason. And I'm like, what? You think Bill's out already, definitively? Uh, yeah, going to be an interesting offseason. Be interested to mm-hmm. see who Kraft goes after as his head coach, Jeffrey Brown said on Twitter. Huh. Um, I do not believe, unless Bill walks out, I do not believe Bill will be kicked out this offseason. But I believe no. tough conversations will be had in the coming weeks inside the football offices and the ownership offices at Gillette Stadium. In the third hour of the Six Rings postgame show, we will play a uh, little game that I like to call Last Call. I think we all believe it's Last Call for Slater and McCourty, but there's a number of other players on this team that I'd like to find out if you think it was their last call, and I don't believe Bill Belichick and Mac Jones will be a part of that list. Back to the calls. We go to Patriots fans, Pats Nation, in mourning today. As the season is over, no playoffs for the second time in three years for your favorite and beloved Patriots. Matt is down in Connecticut. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Hey, doing really well. Thanks. Um, what I'm just wondering is you mentioned not having a corner to match up with Diggs earlier, and I'm wondering how do you think New England going into this offseason approaches that need for a number one corner? You saw 
John Jones working well in the slot, then getting exposed. You saw Marcus Jones working well in some situations. You saw Jack Jones getting overreaching, you know, trying to do a little too much sometimes. He could develop, but do you want to rely on that? Miles Bryant is Miles Bryant. I don't know how you rely on him at all. But do you have to dip back into the free agency well, go for like another high-priced guy, a a James Bradbury, like you did with Gilmore? Do you go early in the draft, or do you just sort of cross your fingers and really rely on the young guys from this year growing and developing? I think it's probably more of the cross your fingers. Um, Jalen Mills, maybe another veteran brought in, a mid-level or or whatever competent veteran. Um, but my guess is the hope. And ex- now, this this suspension thing is a wild card. I, I'm I'm going to assume Jack Jones is still in good standing with the organization, and they still think he's a developmental starter and whatever. Yeah, we might how- need to iron that out. What the hell happened yeah. there over the last couple of weeks? Because if those things go sideways, then I think you really need. Because I do think there's some that probably hope that Jack Jones could be a number one corner in the National Football League. He flashed and- at times this year for sure. And if you get that, that changes a lot of things. And maybe you just need a bridge. Maybe you think, okay, year three. When he gets to year three, he'll come into his own. Can I piece it together with Jalen Mills, somebody else between now and then? Um, But the secondary is a – I know we talk about a lot of things, but with the uncertainty of Jalen Mills – I mean, um, Jonathan Jones, free agency, Mm -hmm. you got some questions in the secondary. Because I'm not sold Marcus Jones as a starting corner. I think Marcus Jones is a better returner and offensive player maybe than starting cornerback. Um, if you no, lose he Jonathan might be, Jones. He might be a good sub sub package corner, Andy. Sure, but I don't... extra corner. I'll uh-huh. take him extra corner over Miles Bryant. Stole the words and the thought right out of my brain and my mouth. But um, there's, there's definitely questions there. And don't discount, they do not really have a free safety. Now, I think that may be Jalen Mills. If Devin McCourty walks away, he's been essentially their free safety for over a decade he's been the guy the last line mm-hmm. of defense very durable always out there doesn't allow big plays for the most part that's something Duggar is not that Phillips is not that Peppers if he comes back who's on he's only on a one-year deal but even if he came back he's not that so I do think that free safety role maybe Jalen Mills slides into that but again now mm. he's not playing he did, corner. He's a little bit of a hybrid, right? Didn't they sign him on that uh, Absolutely. four-year, $24 oh, he was... million dollar deal with the understanding that he could play safety and corner? No, I think with the expectation he would play safety. And he ended up being your number one corner. The problem is he hasn't been terrible as a number one corner, and we're talking about the lack of a number one corner. If you bump him to free safety, now it's Jack Jones. Now it's Jack Jones. <laughs> Anybody? Um, not Anybody Marcus in the back? Jones, not Miles Anybody get Bryant. ideas? Hulu yeah, plus, plus, plus. Okay, it's stupid, but it might cover Stephon Diggs. We'll take it. No, the cornerback's uh, an interesting position for them, among a number of interesting positions. Now, we are already overrating it because I've already seen the most interesting history or intriguing um, offseason in Patriots history. Mm-hmm. Is it that? I'm not, this, that might one be com- little... this one coming up? Yeah. I mean, we did have Tom Brady going into free agency and leaving. That felt like a pretty big offseason. That felt reasonably significant. Uh, also, by the way, Jonathan Jones listed as the number four priority cornerback on the free agent market. He uh, He is probably going to, uh, right here on Spotrac, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. It's one of these websites that all of us sports wonks and knuckleheads go to. Uh, he got $7 million to play professional football for the New England Patriots and be their de facto number one corner in 2022. They estimate his market value to be... 
$12.5 million. So it's probably going to have to be a four-year, $50 million deal to retain Jonathan Jones. Na, 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 na. Hey, 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 goodbye. Uh, not and I exactly wish him luck. A... Great guy. Nice guy. Go uh-huh. cash in. If you can get $50 million, go. that's Ooh. generational wealth. I love saying that term because someday I'd love to have it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I appreciate every human being that is able to attain it. Go get it. Not a lot of other corners out there that uh, inspire the kind of. I mean, there's a there's a couple other ones that are going to be hitting the market that'll probably be making some good money that whose rookie deals are up. But I think you're going to need to dip back into the draft. I'm not sure who you're going to find. And if I were going to try to find some, they're going to need to find some more corners. You need one with length. Can we get one corner who's over six feet tall? And no, Sean Wade doesn't count because that guy doesn't play. And no, Joan Williams doesn't count because he's going to be uh, freed of his services now that he finished the yard injured reserve. We kind of yeah. need one that's got maybe, you know, six, a little bit over six feet tall, not to be a heightist, not to be a vertical elitist. Feels it. Feels it. What? Yeah, just, well, yeah. okay, whatever. Ty Law was fine. How tall was he? Uh, he look, I look him eye to eye. I think he's six foot. He is not six foot. Sure he is. On stilts. David is in the car. He wants to talk about Bill Belichick in today's Six Rings postgame show. Hi, David. Hey, guys. Good evening. Thank you for taking the call. So I am heartbroken that the Patriots are out of the playoffs. I'm one of those guys that wanted them to go forward, even if they were going to struggle. Now, here's my thing on on Belichick. Um, And you guys are putting out the question out there, Matt or Mac or Bill. And I really don't want to have to choose. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's – Yes. Oh, I got the right guy. Yeah, thank you. So at the same time, what's happening is, uh, what's happening is, Belichick wants to, Belichick, if the the Crafts are going to keep him around, Mm -hmm. for him to get to the Don Shula record, that's a mistake. That is a mistake if they're going to do that. That is the wrong thing to do if that's the intent that the Crafts have to hold on to him because of it and what he's done for us, which he's done a lot, and I understand and I respect him, and I thank you, him, and everyone who's been involved. But I think it's time to move on because you need to rebuild a team, and I don't think Belichick's got it in him anymore. I don't think he brings somebody else in, like Sean Payton, uh, uh, you know. Like Sean Payton? What's his name? Sean Payton. Uh, you have nothing to lose by trying to get somebody like him in here. Even if you want to bring in Billy O'Brien, that would be okay too. It's just I don't think Belichick is is in it like he used to be, and and I think it's going to be a waste of another three four years if he sticks around. We're not going to go anywhere. I, I'm just looking at it with a clear mind and a clear picture of what what's going to happen, in my opinion. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call, David. I don't think David is alone in that assessment, Andy. But I don't believe either of us thinks that he's not the guy who's the right, the right, the right man for the rebuild, if you will. All right, that's fine. Don't, How long don't is this rebuild taking... going? I, I know, like they're three years in. Do you think that obviously they're not going back to the postseason? Mister Kraft began the season from the four owners' years meeting without a playoff win. Four years without a playoff win. He said we were three years without a playoff win, and it bothered him. In that famous audio clip where the truck was backing up at the owners' meetings back in April. Now four years. It's going to be four years. And when you look at this team right now, knowing who's a free agent, what their priorities are, where they'll be drafting, et cetera, I can't tell you that all of a sudden a steamroller or a wagon or an absolute freight train of a football team is coming back to guarantee a, post, a postseason victory, let alone a postseason berth next year, Andy. No. There are no guarantees moving forward. Like, this no. is as uncertain as I can ever – that's the one thing I'll say. This, the intrigue of this offseason – 
Because there are few people that think Bill could be on the hot seat, that Bill could be in not a certainty to return. And then when you talk about all the other things and the questions about Mac, maybe it is the most intriguing offseason. Maybe I just talked myself into it. In a offseason, that was bad grammar, in an offseason where there are a number of priority free agents and you need to undo a lot of the wrongs and the mistakes that you made this past season and put your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, or so you told us, back on track, where in a city you have two teams that could easily be on their way to title contention in the Bruins and the Celtics. Yes, the future of Bill Belichick could actually be the hottest topic in this yet most intriguing offseason to come. We shall see. Loads of your calls coming up. We'll hear from Fourier. We'll hear from Kyrie. All of you guys and so much more. So much in an action-packed finale episode of the Six Rings postgame show coming up here on WEEI. Breaking down the game that was. This is the Six Rings postgame show. Here's Fitzy and Hart on WEEI. Looking at video, Andy, right now on the At Patriots Twitter feed, Matthew Slater spoke about an hour ago. He was wearing a short sleeve uh, compression T-shirt, I believe, with like a little bit of a little bit of a collared neck to it, uh, one of those little turtleneck type of things. Man, is just still absolutely yoked. I mean, the guy looks like he'd be able to go out there and keep playing forever. And when he's in shape like that, Devin McCourty, some video also of him walking off the field. Get a little bit emotional. I understand why the players were as emotional as they were in the week leading up to today's game, in the post game as well. Like these are, am, am I using, am I overusing the word legend? Am I being a little too, too generous in my description? I mean, they're patriot legends, both of them. Yeah, certainly. I mean, Matthew Slater is a special teams legend. Even just listening yeah. to Belichick talk about him this week about how. You know, even in year 15 or whatever, that everybody still double teams him and he's still making plays like he compared him to Lawrence Taylor yet again. Yeah. So Matthew Slater is absolutely a special teams legend. And I think I don't know if legend is the right word for McCordy, but all time great is certainly uh, mm -hmm. part of the, the McCordy tenure. The one thing that's interesting with those guys is we talk about so many character like legends and mm -hmm. those guys aren't characters they have the ultimate high character and sometimes i think guys like that don't get what what are you making i like, I, like I, I said i was gonna say i see what you did there and i approve of it i like but, the turn i like the turn of phrase there well done i feel like mccordy is a guy who may get forgotten because there's no there's no character there's no funny press conferences or dances or he's just a solid productive football player for a decade plus who played at a pro bowl level at multiple positions and helped you either win a lot of football games or avoid losing them in his role as that last line of defense and yes i know he has lost a step he's not the same player he was a few years ago there's been some um moments as where evidenced realize, on that uh john brown touchdown today where he and miles bryant both allowed him to slip behind the defense yeah so but that doesn't wipe away a decade plus of service to the organization and the leadership you and i talked about it on the Six Rings podcast, and we'll get into it more into the offseason, I think that's every bit as big a question as the on-field transition is this continued transition of leadership because you have people 
criticizing Mac Jones. Well, he's supposed to be one of your leaders. And then I turn on the NBC Sports Boston pregame TV show, and Burt Breer is sort of equating the suspensions on IR for Jones and Bailey to an ongoing uh, cultural problem within the locker room and too many players that aren't Patriot way kind of guys. And I don't know if he's right or wrong, but those conversations are being had. And guess what? Those conversations are going to get louder and more difficult if Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater walk out of the locker room and leave two more open spots that could be filled by younger, less entrenched guys who don't have the same character as those men do. You're going to need some real. Le- uh, Bill Belichick was actually asked that in his postgame presser today. Which leaders do you believe will emerge, or which players will adopt the leadership mantle? Uh, from it's a lot of responsibility too to take that from the D Max and the Matthew Slaters, who I believe in large part were paid. I won't call them victory lap contracts because neither of them really was what they were. I mean, you saw Matthew Slater having a tough time keeping up with Naeem Hines on that opening kickoff return touchdown as well. Still a very good player, not what he once was just a couple of years ago. I think in large part they were kept around for their leadership to try to teach some of these young guys the way that they do business in in Foxborough and to imbue them with some Patriot way high character. So now it's going to be David Andrews and Juwan Bentley and guys that have been here, some who still have won a Super Bowl, but a little bit of a change into the guard. Definitely going to be an issue and something to keep an eye on uh, as the Patriots grow, evolve, and prepare for the 2023 season, which is what they are on to next, and it's not going to be for about Eight months from now. Now I'm sad. Back to and the I, phones we go. Josh is in towns and he wants to talk about the Pats losing being for the best. All right, Josh, have at it. Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, How are you, pal? So I think that uh, not bad. So I think that we can look at this uh, this whole uh, Patriots not making the playoffs in a positive light because now we don't have the possibility of Bill coming up with this as an excuse to keep Patricia in the offensive coordinator role or you know, quote-unquote, whatever role he's actually in. And so I think that, you know, we can, while it sucks they didn't make the playoffs, um, I, you know, like I said, I think we can look at it positively and, you know, kind of take from this that crap probably isn't going to let him keep Patricia and go out and get a new OC. Hey, have a nice night, guys. Shower beers. Hey, shower beers to you as well, my man. Thanks so much for the call. So uh, I – None of us really believe that the effort is going to be made like, see, hey, we had, well, the offense looked good in the final game of the season. Like, Matt made progress. I think the the plan is coming The plan is coming into fulfillment. It's rounding into shape nicely. I mean, do we really think Bill Belichick is going to fight, lobby, scratch and claw to keep Matt Patricia on his offensive coaching staff? No, and I think Mac Jones will fight, claw, and lobby to get rid of <laughs> Matt Patricia from the offensive coaching staff. Now, I don't... I said this about a month ago. I thought it was done. I thought the like it was a foregone conclusion. Matt Patricia's moving on. Now, we've had the report since from Tom Curran and others that it almost seems mm-hmm. like a foregone conclusion that Billy O'Brien mm-hmm. will be returning. And we should note, I am a firm believer Bill does compartmentalize things. Well, the season is over. Alabama's season is over. The New England Patriots season is over. Phone calls and plans can now be made. Billy O'Brien is available. The job... For him to fill is available. It, it's time to start that process sooner rather than later and get the ball moving. I think that will probably happen. I also want to note, according to our friends at tankathon.com, I wanted to check this. Love that website. The Patriots have the 15th pick locked in for the 2023 NFL draft, just behind Washington and ahead of Green Bay. 
the 15th overall pick in the 2023 draft. I'm becoming a little too familiar with that spot. Mm, Funny. And last time you thought you had a great player in that spot, and now you're not sure, is he still a great player in that spot? And you could have taken Barmore in that spot, but you took him later, and he might be a great player, but you're not sure he's a great... (sighs) It just keeps going round and round and round. One more call before we catch a break and make way to the third hour of today's Six Rings postgame show with you today until 7.30 when we go to Westwood One's coverage of Sunday Night Football, a potential play-in game, play-off game, if you will. Playoffs, yeah, it's not what we're going to be dealing with here in New England again between the Lions and the Packers. And we'll also catch up on all the scores going on in the rest of the league in just a minute. Uh, I would like to speak with Mark in Baltimore because he would like to defend Mac Jones, and I shall entertain this. Hello, Mark. Fitzy. What's Fitzy, up? good to talk to you, man. Townie News, I'd like to hand out a good, a, a big good for you to the refs in the Raiders game. And I just want to say, look, this, this, this institution, this team is failing Mac Jones. He's the guy. He's the quarterback. And you might not be old enough to remember Doug DeSensei. He was the guy who replaced Brooks Robinson. But that's what we're looking at, too. I just think we need to give Mac Jones a chance. I think that Belichick needs to make some changes in the, the coaching staff. And, and, and he's the guy. Jones is the guy. It's not his fault. I'm with him. Okay, Mark, I appreciate it. Thanks for the shout, brother. Appreciate it so much. Uh, yeah, Andy, I think I think over time, once the, the bitter taste of disappointment, the disgusting aftertaste of defeat is washed away from people's mouths and <clears throat> they stop foc- hyper-focusing on all the things that went wrong and you take a look at what Mac Jones did today and did in the face of not being given the assets, tools, coaches, coaching, and, and, and whatever else necessary to grow in year two, I don't think you're going to be hearing as many people like, Zappy, Zappy. You won't be hearing people calling for his head. I think people will be more than, not content, more than willing to see him try to run it back in year three and regain some of the strides he made last year. Yeah, I think the Zappy people are a, a vocal minority or outliers, whatever you want to uh, call them mm-hmm. now. Um I wish I was as confident as Mark is. Uh, I am not. I feel very confident Mac Jones does not suck. I saw a lot of that today. He sucks. He's trash. I do not believe he sucks or that he's trash. Hell no. I also would not feel comfortable telling you he will ever win a Super Bowl. He will ever lead a team to the the glory land like that he's this franchise building block. I, I can't say that. I can't say that with any definitive nature or confidence right now. He's in that. It's funny. I think our quarterback is a lot like the team where we started, that purgatory in the middle where the team is in the middle of the road, 15th pick in the draft, although I think it could drop one spot depending on Green Bay and Detroit. Um, and, you know, you're, you're in that middle land. You, you're not bottoming out. You're not starting the true rebuild with a number two or three overall pick. And I think Mac is a middle-of-the-road QB. I really do think that's where it's going to end up. And that's that's not great. Middle-of-the-road QB on the middle-of-a-road team that had a middle-of-the-road season, and unfortunately there wasn't room on that road to turn over and make way early exit in frustration. We ask you these questions, Patriots fans, as we go to break and get ready for the third hour of the show. What changes do you want to see made to the 2023 New England Patriots? Is this a wasted season? And are you in or out on Mac Jones as your quarterback of the future in Foxborough? We will continue to address these notions, ideas, thoughts, questions, and more. Plus, we'll play last call, a little fill in the blank. Andy's got the old thumbs up, thumbs down. Player of the game, Fourier, Kyrie Thompson, so much more on tonight's Six Rings postgame show 
on WEEI. Just looking at a billboard a friend posted on Instagram of the Miami Dolphins graphic on their video board inside Hard Rock Stadium where they had a hard-fought 11-6 win over the New York Jetropolitans today. Playoffs. We're in. Ugh. Gross. can't believe someone else is sitting in our seat. Did it to themselves, Andy. Then I just saw a Sports Center post a graphic. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. With a win over the Browns in Week 18, Mike Tomlin, in his 16th season, has never had a season end below a 500 win percentage. Steelers went from two and six to nine and eight to maintain Tomlin's incredible winning record streak. I ask you this: Who do you think feels better going into this off season, Pittsburgh Steelers or Pats fans? Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they have confidence in their coach. I don't know the inner uh, confidence in the in the picket, but certainly uh, George he looks Pickens. Like a gamer, Andy. He looks pretty good. George Pickens is a good player. I can tell you that much. And yep. he could have been picked by the Patriots, but they didn't. They, they didn't do any George Pickens of him, huh? Nope. I so yeah, no. I think there's confidence down there in the uh, Pittsburgh uh, locker room, and I got to give credit to Mike Tomlin. I've never been a big believer that he's a great coach, but. And I don't know that he's a great coach, but he's a good coach. He's a really good, fundamental, like, find a way, week to week, year to year. He's a good coach. They rally behind him. They play for him. They care in Pittsburgh. And you got to give him credit. Like, that's not easy to do. That is not easy. What would you say, 16 years? 16 straight seasons, no losing record. Meanwhile, I understand six Super Bowls, six rings. They hate hearing about it up in Buffalo, but two of the last three seasons, the Pats have had a losing record. What, do you, what am I supposed to say? I'm not even present that. that I, I need to bring the, the disclaimer of like presented without comment up, but that's just facts. Yeah, it's a fun fact, as my no, old boss not. used to call it. There's nothing fun about it. Now I'm turning into Richard Dreyfus from What About Bob? Getting very frustrated. Now I'm frustrated. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. Now it's starting to hit me. No more Pats games. Now we got to make up stuff on the podcast for the next six months. Ah, so frightened. My kids were so into it. They wanted the Pats to go to the playoffs too because they love watching the games. And ah, damn it. All right, back to the phones. Maybe someone's. Oh no, everyone's upset about Belichick. Yep, here we go. Uh, well, we'll go to Tony. He's in the car. Tony, how you doing, pal? How you guys doing, man? Uh, we're hanging in there, my guy. It's a bit of a bummer right now, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. I I felt worse like in 07, but I felt pretty bad the last couple hours. But, uh, yep. you know, we're carving up the p- blame pie right now, and uh, I think the blame pie needs to go on to the offensive coordinator, the special teams coach, and who's responsible for those guys? Who's responsible for the situation we're in ultimately by his own admission? And I, I think I hate to say this because I love the run we had with Bill. And I had to take my dad's car keys away from him when he was 72. And I, don't, I didn't want to be the one to do it, but nobody else would do it. And somebody's got to step up and say something and make some changes at the high level here because the general manager isn't working out the – the you know the, the the coach you know the general manager role isn't working out for us you know that he's the guy that assembles the team you know and he's part of the team on the field and he might be a good day game day coach but as far as running the organization I don't have much faith in him anymore and I I don't think I'm alone in this and it's a hard thing to do it's a hard thing to go up to somebody and say listen you just don't have it anymore 
and you can't do this anymore. And nobody wants to be that guy, but somebody has to be that guy. And the ownership needs to step up and show show ownership, basically. Tony, let me ask you before you jump, let me ask you one question. Which yeah. element or which aspect of Bill Belichick's three years following Tom Brady's departure frustrates you most or most makes you think it's time to either move on from him or to alter the, uh, shall we say, management structure? Is it the record itself? Is it the, uh, the, the drafting? Is it the in-game management? Because there still seem to be a number of things Belichick does at a very high level, yeah. but the results aren't there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I. That's what the point I was trying to make. Well, number one is letting Brady go, right? You know, and look where we are today. Brady's going to the playoffs again, and we're not. And I'm getting a little tired of that. And um, it, but that it's the management, it's the gen, the management at the overall oversight of the team. I don't think he can do it anymore. It's too much. He's 72 years old. If he wants to be a field coach, fine. You know what? I think he's good on uh, at game day management. I just think he's lousy off season. I think he's lousy, you know, you know, managing the personnel, the the coaching personnel. It's just obviously a mess. You know, I don't. I'm I'm not an expert, but I I've, I've gone to games this year, and you can see it on the field. You can see the play calling, and you can feel the crowd just going groaning through the whole game. You know, people next to me saying, "Well." I can't believe we're going to have to watch this again. You know, like, like run up the middle, draw play, screen play, draw play, punt, you know, and it's just unwatchable right now. And it's not the record. It's not the record at all. I think it's the, just the general management of the team. And I, mm-hmm. I was never a fan of the coach being the general manager when it, when this whole thing started, but um, I just, I, that's my opinion. I just I think he's lost a lot, and uh, and in this game you can't lose a lot. You have to keep an edge. You have to be on top of it. If you lose any part gotcha. of what your job, you just yep, I, you just can't. Nope. Sorry, Tony. Your phone was breaking up there. Sorry, we had to let you go. Um, already. I think it's the Andy. I'm sort of gleaning from Tony if he's relaying you know what the season ticket members, the other Pats fans. At the stadium, we're saying people at the local water and hole or wherever you take the games in. The quality of the product. Forget about, you know, Belichick. Like you, you make mention of it all the time. Like, oh, you guys thought it was hilarious when Belichick let players go or was a dink in his press conferences or was a jerk to the media. It was hilarious. It was adorable. You rallied around it. You fraud squad. You Foxborough frauds. Now, now he's not winning games. Now you're not going back to the postseason. Now you don't get the commemorative DVDs and the T-shirts. Now you don't have duck boats. Not so funny now, is it? And the quality of the product, and to me, one thought I had during the break, where was the joy in this season? Like, where would, like... Marcus Jones. No, but there's, like, no, but, like, even in defeat sometimes, there was a lot of joy. I mean, sure, it came from winning, obviously. That, you know, cures all, fixes all. It's the ultimate balm or antiseptic. Wasn't a lot of joy this season. Was not a really fun that you can have an eight and nine season be fun an eight and nine season can be joyous there can be a lot to enjoy about being eight and nine there was absolutely this was a largely uh, a frustration filled um controversial at times joyless pat season that sucks 
Yeah, I don't know how fun an 8-9 and nine season can be for a team with expectations. Like, 8-9 and nine is not good. I don't think the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Bucks had a fun season. They're 8-9. and nine. They're in the playoffs, but they did not have a fun season. They underachieved. Brady was mm-hmm. pissed off. There was disappointment. Mm-hmm. Coaching changes could come after the season. There's a lot there. So I, I think if you – now, if you're a – if you're the Houston Texans and you go eight and nine next year, probably a fun season because you're showing improvement, you're rolling in the right direction. But for the, you know, teams that think they had a chance to be more than, you know, this close to the playoffs, actually be a contender, I don't know that there's a lot of fun in that. So I would just say on the on the, the greater point of Belichick, obviously his decisions are being called into question. A lot of them on the field, off the field, game plan, coaching, free agency, everything. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, and it's funny, I brought it up earlier that I do believe he compartmentalizes and doesn't get ahead and focuses on the task at hand and one week at a time. I think he lives those. Maybe Thieves, for the first time you actually think about replacing Josh, it might be too late. If you wait for Brady to leave before you try to come up with a plan, to replace Brady might be too late. Gronk, all these other things where there just didn't seem to be a plan for things that you should have seen coming. We knew Josh had a chance to leave at any moment. Should have had a short list. Should have had somebody in the pipeline. Should have had something. I can't imagine that Matt Patricia was a move that was planned multiple years in advance. That longed. So I do think there's something to that over over umbrella management of the organization and then you can get into the specifics of other stuff coaching and gm um but the reality is mark i think was it mark that just called i don't know whatever the hell that was tony in the car hey tony um don't know why i said that (laughs) don't think that's okay (laughs) um what's the matter with you (laughs) yeah we should probably stop uh but um like you may not have liked it all along that he was the coach and the GM and the be-all, end-all power, but that's what he's been. And I do wonder, at whatever point you try to uh, deviate from that, and maybe it started a couple years ago with the collaborative draft and him doing that video, hey, everybody, okay. hey, Matt, you like this? I thought he put on a show there to try to show, oh, I'm being collaborative, you want collaborative, Um because he can be a vindictive kind of baby at times. And who? Bill Belichick. Um, wow. Yes. So uh, if you try to take any one aspect of his job away, are you taking the whole job away? That's the question that I think could be answered as early as this offseason. At whatever point. The proverbial sp- taking the keys away from the 72-year-old dad uh, that Tony alluded to earlier. Yeah. But even more so, like, it's, it's one thing if you say... Time. To your 70-year-old dad, you can never drive again. But what if your 70-year-old dad is, you know, summers in Florida? And you you know what, dad? You can still go get milk at the local corner store. You can't drive to Florida anymore. Is he the type of dad that goes, you know what? If I can't drive to Florida, then I don't want to drive at all. You pick up my damn milk for me then. That kind of thing. That response from Belichick. If I can't do X, then you know what? I don't want to do Y or Z, and I'm going to see myself out. Would it ever come from? Would Bill ever be the one to initiate that conversation preemptively no. with the Crafts? No, I do not believe that to be true. I think he is all in. I think that conversation has to come from the Crafts. Now, Bill can jumpstart it. You know, I've joked a lot that they sit down for the meeting. 
Robert says, okay, let's talk about what went wrong and what we're going to do moving forward. And Bill goes, well, I thought Matt really progressed as the year went on, so I expect he'll be a much better play caller in year two. And Robert goes, stop. <laughs> Meeting adjourned. <laughs> rip the, the whole plan you have before go ahead you rip and it I'll give you a mulligan. You can come back tomorrow, try to start the right. press conference. Try again. <laughs> try to see if so, we can start this meeting differently. Yeah, I think it, it is going to be interesting. And we'll, we may not know the details of what comes out of that meeting. but I, So I guess Bill Belichick will speak tomorrow morning at Zoom on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Sort of the post-season, post-mortem, blah, blah. He'll say nothing. He'll say, you know, I really haven't thought about any of that. I was so focused on the, the Bills game and the season mm-hmm. that I haven't had a chance to think about. Blah, sure. blah, blah. Right. Um, and then after that, sometimes he's few and far between. The thing we kind of circle on the calendar now, in March, whenever that is in March, when the owners' meetings happen, and Robert Kraft speaks. Because when he speaks, he carries a big stick, too. Mm-hmm. Sure does. And he's not going to be any bit happy about the way this season unfolded and the way it ended. And the prospects for the future for the Patriots... Not quite as rosy as they used to be just a couple days ago. Oh, and also that plant, that idea that Tony planted, the little seed that Tony planted, and that you alluded to as well. Yeah, sometimes the hyper focus of Belichick and his inability to look long view because he's so task at hand does get you in trouble. Like succession plans for Edelman's and Gronk's and Brady's, there didn't seem to be a bunch of them, and now here we are in what I would like to say is honestly. One of the least satisfying places to be. Not here on the radio show with you, Andy. I'm going to be sad this is done. I've been enjoying the whole season. No. Patriots, Pats fans, the team, we're in the middle. Ugh. Middle class. Sucks. Are we up? We're in the middle seat and middle class. (laughs) Is the guy next to us fat? (laughs) I I didn't say that. Are we between Paul Perillo and... (laughs) What? Now, why are you doing that to people you've worked with, you know, that are guests of the Six Rings pod and have been kind to you? See? Every time we have a chance to take a step forward, you bring us three steps back. Six one seven. No wonder why you worked so well for the team for two decades. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the telephone number. The phones are full. If you get a busy signal, call back. We'll try to squeeze you in before seven thirty when we go to Westwood One's coverage of Sunday night football between the Lions and the Packers. It's Fitzy. It's Hart. It's you. It's the end of the season on the Six Rings Post Game Show. We're back to the Six Rings Post Game Show on WEEI. I can't remember a play that touched me like that. I don't think in my life. So it's it's probably number one. It, it it was it was just spiritual, and I just I was going around and I just I mean I was going around my team saying God's real. Like you can't you can't draw that one up, write that one up any better. Um, and I I was just told by Kevin Curran it's been three years and three months. <sighs> Since the last kickoff return, so it's pretty cool. It just takes some time oh, I see what you did with that rejoin music there, producer Nick LaPan. I see what you did, and I hate where we are, but I love the way you did it. Six Rings postgame show here on WEI. You just heard from Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. Emotional in the postgame speaking about the opening kickoff return by Naeem Hines, who was on the Colts just a couple months ago, traded for backup running back Zach Moss, takes it 96 yards to the house on the opening play, and I think the entire world's jaw hit the floor, Andy. For Patriots fans, it was, ah, you got to be blanking me, and the rest of the world was, I can't believe what I'm watching! Holy blank, look at this, it's happening! It did seem like it was willed into existence. 
that they would take the opening kickoff back to the house in large part because of the ineptitude and the poor play of the Patriots special teams this year. Another year with punt blocks and running into kickers and allowing multiple kickoff return touchdowns. Hell, you couldn't beat the Vikings if you gave up one, and today you gave up two against a Buffalo Bills team that you matched punch for punch, pound for pound, blow for blow for most of the game as well. You knew Josh Allen would get his. I didn't know they'd give up multiple touchdowns, but Josh Allen was understandably emotional, and now we are, but in the wrong way. And the frustration in this game, because not only did you have the kickoff return, you then had the three and out with a sack punt, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, boy, this is going to get ugly in a oh, hurry. that's right. And it didn't. And oh. it, this is a little bit like the tease that was the Bengals game. 22 nothing. Okay, we got our face kicked in on Christmas Eve. Let's go have some eggnog. And then it's like, oh, oh, the game's not over? Oh, they're throwing interceptions. We're returning them. Touchdown. This tease has also been, you talked about where's the happiness. There's been plenty of teasing from the Patriots throughout games this year or week to week when you like maybe accepted. You accepted the fact they were going to go to Buffalo and get their teeth kicked in. Except they didn't. They were competitive. They led in the third quarter despite Mm -hmm. how it started. So the whole Mm -hmm. season was just frustrating, unhappy for some people, a tease. For other people, certainly unfulfilling for everyone inside and outside the locker room. And I guess the one thing you can say, one thing you can definitively say, what Bill said, they competed, right? They competed mm-hmm. all year. Now, oh yeah, I kind of hope, A, that should be a foregone conclusion with professional athletes. They should compete. But B, certainly Bill Belichick teams, I assume, we talk about guys like Slater and McCourty, but I assume everybody on a Bill Belichick team is going to compete to the finish. Um, but give them credit for that. They indeed did that, even with potentially God on the Bill side, according to Josh Allen. Broadcasting from our Best Yet Brand studio, the Six Rings postgame show, Farewell to the 2022 Season Edition is brought to you by Zudi. Build any app your company needs in a week. Visit Zudi, that's Z-U-D-Y dot com, for your free trial today back to the phones we go try to get you all squeezed in here before the show's over at 7 30 we'll be kind and courteous taking you in pecking order jesse in connecticut wants to talk about ownership and changes that need to be made jesse how you doing man fitzy heart i think that you know tony said it good where sometimes you got to take the keys away and i think bob and bill we got to take it away let's get josh mcdaniel's back Let's get uh, Jonathan running the show, and let's start over. Wow. So you want – that's it. So it's time to supplant both Bill and Mr. Kraft, a new breed. And how are we going to get – how McDaniel, you're going to get McDaniels back. I mean, he's under contract with the Raiders and didn't oh, look too could. good yesterday as much as we all thought that uh, Stiddy and co. may keep up with the Chiefs. That uh, wasn't a great look yesterday, Andy. But if you wanted to trade for Josh McDaniels, I think Mark Davis would do it in a heartbeat, get that contract oh, off his books. Heart beat he would drive him across the country to back to foxborough um the one thing i had a question um i i don't i don't even think jonathan can take away robert's keys i mean uh-uh. he's he's the grand poobah until he decides he doesn't want to be the grand poobah anymore he still likes uh being front and center we may not see him or hear from him as often as we used to but i don't think mr Kraft is gonna gently go gently into that good night as far as being a pats fan a prominent owner and a celebrity anytime soon and i don't really want him to no. If I'm a fan of this team, I still trust him. I still I think he's in a tough spot. It's easy for yeah. us 
or fans to call in and say, get rid of Bill. It's a lot harder to actually do it if you're Robert Kraft. So I think he's in a tough spot. But I I think as a Patriots fan, me personally, and I, I am biased, yes, I worked for the organization for nearly two decades, I think you want Robert Kraft involved in every decision you can have him involved in. I think he's a good businessman. I think he's been a great owner for a long time. Whatever he decides, you want him in that decision-making process. Ralph in Cranston. Hello, Ralph. Good to hear from you. Hey, guys. Um, some of these callers, are, they're, they're entertaining. Um, you know, <laughs> Welcome Slater to our world, sir. Thing. Welcome to our world. Oh, I, can't, yeah, I feel for you. Uh, you know, Slater and McCourty, what they did today, that was great. If that probably is their last game, it was nice to see them both make some plays. You know, the, the press is hard on Belichick when he's not winning, and he brings it on, you know, his attitude, his short answers. Um, and and he's, he's, a, he's been a great coach, and he still, I think, is a good coach. But is it time to move on? You know, I think it is. And, and you know, the most disappointing thing this year was you, you look, at, look at the special teams. I mean, that used to be his strength. Penalties. The, the, the Patriots not making, you know, having many penalties. And those were real disappointments. That's not the mark of a normal Belichick team. And, and are they ready to go in another? I, I'd like to see a statue in front of that stadium. I, my guy would be Brian Flores. I thought they should have brought him back after last after he got let go. Brought him back kind of like as an associate head coach. I think the guy's a good coach. I think he deserves another chance. Somebody's going to scoop him up probably this year. And and are they ready? You know, and I think that uh, Bob's son is probably going to, you know, Jonathan, I, I, don't, I don't really think he's as big with, with Belichick as, as Bob is. And, and mm-hmm. it would be tough to say, you know, okay, you're fired. I wish you could step down. But I really think that, you know, we, 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 we could use a change, fresh face. You know, it's been 20-something years. And for that caller in, in, in uh, Buffalo, so if we're a little down tonight, you know what we can do? We can put on the Bruins tonight, the amazing Bruins. He, what does he have? He's got them. If they don't win the, uh, the Super Bowl, that, cat, that guy's got nothing else. Look what we got. We are blessed being hometown fans. Thank you, Bill, for all the years. And I hate to say what I'm saying, but I think it's time for a change, guys. Hey, that's a solid call right there, Ralph. I appreciate you very much. Like it's it's all due deference. It's all appreciation, Andy. There's intent. There's immense gratitude. I'm not calling for it necessarily. I still think I still think there's another season uh, where a big turnaround is is needed. I w- I wonder though if be- what's Belichick at now? Like three twenty, three twenty nine, three twenty eight. How many wins? Sounds right. I'd have to look it up. Three twenty nine, maybe. Okay, so he's going to need nineteen more wins if they keep up at this pace. They've gone seven and nine, ten and seven, eight and nine. He would need if they keep this up. Are Pats fans in this for two more years of eight and nine, nine and eight, ten and seven, maybe eleven and six to get Belichick to his number and to stay where we where we lamented being just moments ago, the middle? Well, I'd take eleven and six. Yeah, eleven and I six is a pretty good record. I would. It's I'd not bad. It. I mean, I know it doesn't, you know, three wins from eight and nine doesn't seem like a ton, but I, I think in the NFL, that's actually a pretty big difference, a pretty significant jump. Um, he is at 329, so okay. 347 is ahead of him. That's 18 wins, eight wins at a time. Based on this year, that's two-plus seasons before you get there. Who knows? Um, I wanted to talk about the Brian Flores angle. Your thoughts hmm. on Brian Flores, because I'm not – I'm not as big a fan, I don't think, as a lot of people are. Um, Great defensive coordinator. I do not believe he's the right next head coach for the Patriots. Can organize a team, can clean up the act, can tidy, you know, get ship right and tidy things up. Uh, from all accounts, from all accounts, 
Uh, he kind of, I don't, he didn't work his way out of Miami, but it sure sounded like the players were happy to have a change of guard and a fresh breath or a more. Absolutely. Contempor- yeah. The players didn't like him and the owner didn't like him. So who liked him? <laughs> like, I mean, the fans liked him because the he won every year he was there. Kind of. The, the, the last year he was there, he had like a seven game losing streak and then a seven game winning streak. I, I don't know that that's good, consistent football. I don't know that. I, I I would look elsewhere. I think you can do better than Brian Flores. But the next guy is in trouble anyway because he's the cleanser. He's got to cleanse the audience from the Bill Belichick dynasty. So you're probably only here for two years before you're canned, and then maybe the next guy actually comes in. You're the Cam Newton. The next head coach is the Cam Newton. Oh, the guy that follows the legend? No, thanks. Unless yep. Unless that guy himself has a big reputation, big chest, a big ego, and is ready to come in and start doing things. You know, about puffed out. Dolly chest, Parton you know. is the next coach. I read there, please. Would you? What? Is this the direction we're going now? All right. Yes. Rather we take it down to the South Shore. Danny and Quincy. Hello, Danny. Well, I saw the play call, and and I all I can say is, what took them so long to to finally get go to the vertical game? I, mm-hmm. I just they, they waited till the last game of the year to go vertical. Well, they, they started the year the going game. vertical. Wait, they I'm started sorry? the year go. They started the year going vertical, and everybody bitched that Mac no, had five no, interceptions. No, not the type of vertical that I like. I like the slants, the over the middle stuff, the, That's the, not the intermediate a slant twenty, is not twenty, thirty. I'm sorry. A slant is not vertical. I thought you were talking about vertical balls had, down the field. They, they started the year and they were interceptions. Today, they had a oh. mixture of everything, including oh, okay. I going. I thought you were focused it. on going down the field. They went down the field more than they ever did the whole season this this in this yeah. game. Not after, okay. So before we talk about next year talk, I want to get Let's into this game. Talking. They went for it twice on fourth down. Where was that? Yep. They they were two for two on fourth down. Okay, I just I just don't understand why Belichick waited until the last game of the season to finally go vertical. And, and I keep just saying that, but he started it. the year doing that, Danny. It doesn't make any. When you keep saying the same no. thing that's wrong over and over, it's still wrong. No, it's not wrong, Andy. Did but you watch the first the month? Was throwing the jump balls. Did you? That's yeah, different down the... than going slants over the middle. Slants over the middle are not. I don't. Uh, okay, thanks for the call, Danny. Out. Thanks for the call, Danny. Your call's making no sense. I don't know what's wrong with you tonight. Holy Moses! I think what Danny slants was, are not uh, vertical. No, they no, went no, vertical I, I, to start the year, and all we did was bitch that Mac was throwing interceptions. I think that was the Ravens game because there was not a lot of vertical in the Miami game. Or I mean, there were a couple. Uh, how of about the vert- ball that was picked off when Xavier Howard deflected it? Oh, you're how right. How about the I Steelers forget- game deep down the middle that was picked off by Minka Fitzpatrick? They average. I forgot uh, about Phil those. Perry, it's been so long ago. Call Phil Perry, and you can get the average depth of target. I believe they led the NFL. They were they throwing did. the ball down the field just to the wrong colored jersey. So you can you can keep saying things that, like Danny does and pretend and then say slants. I'm talking about slants. I, well, I, I'm sorry, you said going down the field. Slants aren't down the field unless you're Randy Moss when you catch it and then go down the field because you're a really great athlete and it's really fast. They threw the ball down the field today. Tony Romo was on it. More play action. They evolved into a more play action passing game. And as mm-hmm. he, I believe he even that was said, actually nice to see. And didn't at one point he even said like what took so long or something <laughs> like why I think, are you... I think he did say where yeah where's the spinner what so that's what we said open way back hours ago opening the show today like where right. was this team where I think what Danny Danny was getting lost in the weeds of his own thoughts and and the idea is that where was this offense where was the play action where mixing in the run plays going forward on fourth like this mm-hmm. looked like it was the most competently coordinated effort by the Patriots offense in this 
frustrating 17 game season that was 2022 Andy I think that's Absolutely. I think that's what he meant and I think Mac threw the ball better I thought that mm-hmm. was part of it I thought for yep. the most part he threw the ball pretty well you didn't have really I mean I guess there was that one low throw when he stepped up to Hunter when he got it uh he he caught it but it could have been a better throw but and there was that 50-50 ball to Aguilar that Aguilar just kind of punted on by the way appreciate thanks for trying uh, uh good nice check you get to leave with um bye Aguilar. Oh God, that yes. Expiring contracts. Thank you, thank you very much. That and there's some of that is the turnover. But Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> um, oh, thank you, Glenn. Some of that is the discussion too, because you you have this idea that the Patriots have money to spend, and they do. They're in the top ten in cap space available. There's a lot of teams with money to spend, but they are one of them. But I think the question has to be asked if you're Robert Kraft. He complained last year in the spring about return on investment and, oh, we're mm-hmm. going to change some of the offense. I'm going to get a better return on my investment. You didn't. Aguilar wasn't good this year. John o. Smith is a forgotten nobody in terms of this roster and, and producing. He's still going to be on the roster in all likelihood unless you just Because of his $17 million dollars in dead money next year. My so, Lord. To bring up the previous caller's GM question, how comfortable are you with Bill spending the money? Do you think he or are you going to get Matt Judon? Are you going to get Stephon Gilmore, or are you going to get Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar? We was catching him. Unlike Aguilar and his mishaps, I like to put that out there. Oh. Uh, and I feel bad for Aguilar because he seems like a nice man as well, but he is. Uh, he does. Seems like a high-quality human being. Just didn't, fit, just didn't fit on this team as well. Uh, when we come back, Andy, uh, we'll catch a break here in just a second. Uh, we'll play my little uh, game here looking towards the 2023 season. Last call. Uh, we won't do last call in the last segment, but we'll play a little last call. I want you to give me the percentage you believe behind each player's return. A lot of free agents, a lot of potential retirees, some coaches as well that are on the line. We're not sure if they're going to be part of the team next year. Uh, we'll get your thumbs up and thumbs down as well. Clean up the calls. Jeez, we could do this show all night long. However, you we want to? Be- oh. <laughs> we kind of need to go to Sunday Night Football as well. Just want to catch the audience up in case you guys are not able to see the scores from the 4 o'clock affairs. Cardinals are getting blown out predictably by the 49ers, 38-13. to 13. But, And the Cowboys are losing to the Commandos, 13-6. to 6. Sam Howell at quarterback today for the Commandos. But it doesn't really matter in the NFC because the Eagles, the Eagles are up after three quarters, 19-3 to 3 over the Giants. Looks like they are streaking towards the number one seed. And also of NFC considerations, Making tonight's game a potential playoff game. It is currently Ramajamas 16, Seahawks 13. So if that final score finishes on the McVay way, that means the Seahawks are eliminated and the winner of Lions-Packers tonight gets the seven seed in the NFC. So basically we get another bonus playoff game. I'm here for that. I would enjoy the playoff game tonight to uh, soak my sorrows and wash away the tears of today's me dismal too. affair in Buffalo. At least, at least the first half till I fall asleep at halftime. <laughs> then oh, I have to check I, my phone when I wake up. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Like dinner, <laughs> dinner tray on lap, chin on chest. <sighs> oh, by ten twenty, tops. Six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven is the telephone number. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more Six Rings post game show coming at you on Weei. Now back to the Six Rings post game show on Weei. Just as I thought it was going all right I found out I'm wrong when I thought it was right 
Genesis rejoin. High quality song. Good choice on the rejoin music there, Mr. Nicholas LePan. Well done. Back here on the Six Rings postgame show with you till we got Westwood One coverage at 7.30 of the Sunday Night Football game, which is looking to be a bit of a play-in game. Looking to be a little bit of an early playoff game between the Lions and the Packers. Eight and nine. Andy, where did you have them in our preseason predictions on the Six Rings podcast? Ooh. I think I, think I went eight nine and eight, nine. so they fell think, a game short of my prediction. I think I went eight and nine. Oh, of course you said they went eight and nine. Well, I, think you, I, gotta think I think you actually I, did. I think I actually did, too. So, screw you. You know what that's wow. called? That's called being right. Or Boom. a realist, or just getting lucky, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, right. A million different things, a million different ways you could take it. All accurate right, real quick. Andy. Call me accurate Andy me, uh, from now on. All right, all right. Enough with the back pathathon. We'll see if we can get a chiropractor to sponsor that segment for next season. Let's do a little quick uh, Andy Hart thumbs up, thumbs down. Last time on the 2022 season, Andy, who brought it and who was not it today? So we'll start with the positives. And that starts for me with Mac Jones. I thought Mac Jones was good. Uh, First half, as I said, 13 of 16, a couple touchdowns, and you're 14-14 tied with the Bills, hanging with the Bills despite the early punch in the mouth from the kickoff return. Yes, I know he threw three interceptions. I don't think... Any of them were hellacious. It was a bad decision on the Tredavious White one down the left sideline. I didn't think Nelson Aguilar helped him out at all. That was his worst play of the day. He took a shot to Hunter Henry at the goal line for the second one, and then we mentioned the third one. He got hit as he threw. He's in desperation mode. It bounced off Damian Harris's hands. So overall, I thought Mac had a good day. Now, I will say that we're considering this a good day, 26 of 40 for 243, three touchdowns, three interceptions, tells you where he's been most of the year or most of the last two years. Like, there is still um, room for necessary growth for Matt, Mac Jones next year. Uh, second, he played well today, yes, I agree. Yeah. Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker, two of his receivers I thought really stood out. Parker had a couple touchdowns, led the team six catches, 79 yards. Jacoby Myers had that early uh, third down conversion with the motion, and then he picked up 20 yards. And then he had, I thought, one of the, the pretty physical plays of the day, that toe-tapping touchdown, which mm-hmm. he had to have been down because at one point they were like, does this toe hit? If the toe didn't hit, then call Einstein because like laws of gravity and physics are being broken by Jacoby Myers. Like there I don't know how it could not hit. So really pretty play by Myers, but Myers and Parker showed up. Devin McCourty, potentially his last game as a Patriot, makes it on Andy's Hart's thumbs up list. I will also say mm-hmm. I did notice that the McCourty twins uh Twitter account was retweeting stuff that said like if this is D Mac's last day, what a day to go out, blah blah and I'm like, kind of feels like it's your last day if you're retweeting things like that. I don't know if you'd be retweeting that if it weren't true. So I do think it was his last game. Uh, had the interception, which was kind of easy. Had the uh, beautiful pass defense with his back turned, which mm. some might say, oh, Shakir, he got lucky. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's luck. He's reading the eyes. He's reading the hands. And he's, you know, that's a guy that's played in the, the league for a decade and a half and has good timing on those things. And then obviously had the fumble recovery on the Jonathan Jones forced fumble of Devin Singletary to sort of 
wipe out Max interception there where they traded turnovers. And then um, I thought Ramondre Stevenson was good. He didn't have a ton of touches, but he had six carries for 54 yards to lead the team. Then he had five catches on six targets for 28 yards. So what he has become, that dual threat running back pass catcher, centerpiece of your offense, he was that again today. So anybody that I missed before I move on to the negatives? No, I think that uh, you know the who pass I, rush you know I'd like to throw times. on there. I'd like to throw on Daniel Equale. I don't uh, think I ever heard his name mentioned one way or the other. He had a big sack today. He played solid on the me? defensive line. Um, Daniel Equale, there was a, so I got into a little thing. One of Mac Jones's slide, he was calling for a penalty again. I'm so sick and tired of him calling for penalties. And on the bomb that that Josh Allen threw, I believe it was Daniel Equale hit him in the back. And you know what Josh Allen did? stood there and celebrated the touchdown pass. Didn't take a dive and try to throw his hands up and get 15 yards in case the pass. Like, that's what I want my quarterback to do. I don't want my qu- – and, I, and I, I started rattling off. Up. How many times do you see Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow whining for flags? I see Mac Jones do it five times a game. I don't, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between those guys are really good and they don't need to whine for flags and Mac's not and he needs to whine – but I'm done with the whining for flags. That would be on my thumbs-down list, Mac whining for flags. Not his play, his whining for flags. Now let's get to the real thumbs-down list. Um, it starts with a big paragraph written about kick coverage slash cam accord because um, that's why you lost. You lost the game because you couldn't cover a kick. Two kickoff returns for a touchdown. I'm sorry. I, like I don't like ripping coaches, calling for jobs, things of that nature. But the special teams have been putrid for the most part the last two years. They've not yeah, they have. Pit- they have been. They, they they've been super like lousy. I almost just used a swear word. They've been real bad. <laughs> Please don't. Um, is at some point that has to be a reflection on the coach? No, like doesn't it? Like that's of your course job. It is. Is Everything is okay. So that's a reflection on Cam Accord and to some degree Bill Belichick because I do think he's involved significantly in that area. So. He gets some of the blame that he told us to give him there. And as you said, it got so bad that they tried to not kick to Naheem Hines, so they just kicked it out of bounds for a penalty and gave them the ball on the 40-yard line. Like, just abysmal performance by the kickoff team, the kick coverage oh. team, and it continues the trend for special teams over the last two years. Missed Jake wanna... Bailey in a big old way, even though he was having a lousy season before he got hurt. Yeah, but he could kick off, and he might have been able to put it into the end zone or get a touchback. And guess what? If it's a touchback, they can't score. Uh, Miles Bryant, not only did he bounce off Naheem Hines on the second kickoff, yes, second kickoff return of the day for a touchdown, but he also was the one chasing John Brown when Allen had that little rollout and then sort of flicked the ball 42 yards for a touchdown to John Brown. Um, Miles Bryant is sort of my um, personal, I don't don't even know what to call it, I, I just... To me, if you want to be a better defense, you got to get Miles Bryant off the field. He plays. He too shouldn't much. be there. He should be a special teamer and a backup. He should not be. Mm, not sure he should be a special teamer after I saw today's tackle. No, actually, no, that's, fair. I, that's where I, I used to be. Now I have a feeling he's going to be playing for someone else. Uh, and then another one, a symbolic one. I had him here last week. Sean Wade. I'm sick and tired of healthy scratches for guys you traded for who are supposed to be good. You're undermanned in the secondary. You can't cover Stephon Diggs. You can't cover John Brown. You're giving up bombs and big plays. Why is this right. guy on the roster if he can't help? Like, why does he yeah. have a job? Like, I, I, I don't really and They've held on to him for how long now? Two years? Two years. 
And there were some concussions in there, and oh, he's hurt, and he's this, and he's that. He's perfectly healthy now. He's what they call a healthy scratch. He's nowhere near the injury report, but he's also nowhere near the game field. He, he infuriates me. Yeah. Sounds like he's on your And bad. I don't know like him personally, but He's way. not even on the thumbs down list. He's like now a, a, maybe a new column, Andy Hart's bad side. Yeah, like Permanent gone. naughty list. The gone list. Um, we'll get anybody to else you want to include? Because there were some various, like um, Connor McDermott got beat for a sack early. Um, but I didn't I notice. Anything I almost else can't after. even like. I can't Same. even do anything with that guy. Like, I mean, he's like a seventeenth string guy, backup playing tackle because right. off he's, the street. Yeah, seriously. Um, you know, there were other little instances. Nelson Aguilar, I thought he could have fought more for the interception. Not a lot of um, compete on that pass. No, um, but I didn't have a lot of other guys that stood out to me as having really. I, I thought the defensive front was pretty good um, as a whole both against mm-hmm. the run for the most part. There were a couple chunk runs. They had one point there where they gave up like an 18-yard run followed by like an 11-yard run, um, mm-hmm. but that wasn't a, a problem. One to Singletary, one to Cook. Yeah, Cook back-to-back. Yeah, uh, Andy, w- the compete was there today. Like They weren't Absolutely. overwhelmed by the moment, the magnitude of this week, the emotional high that you knew Buffalo would be on. Like They didn't seem initially overwhelmed. In fact, that they gave up the opening kickoff return touchdown, three and out, play really solid defense, and then they get the ball back and go on a scoring drive. Told me they were they were in this game, they were absolutely in this game. The Patriots brought the Patriots brought plenty of tough resilience and compete to the table. They're just not good enough. Uh, yeah, they're not. Well, now they're good enough because they're good enough to be one of the teams that doesn't get to play in the postseason. They're good enough to start their off season and begin making lists of who they're going to change on the coaching staff and the roster and the things that you want to get into next segment. Last call before we flip to the final hour, a final half hour of the program here and wrap up what's been quite the memorable season, to say the least. Back to the South Shore we go. Paul's in Quincy. Hi, Paul. Hey, two things. First of all, you know, a 12-point win, right? We gave up 12 special teams points here. This game was closer than the score indicates. This offense went, I wouldn't say toe-to-toe, but held their own against uh, Buffalo. As for firing Bill Belichick, bring in who? Now, tomorrow's Black Monday. On average, five to six coaches a year get fired. So you've got to see will a Brabel be available or a Sean McVay be available. But, you know, this offense today, I mean, they won by 12 points. The same number of points special teams gave up. This game was closer than the score indicated. I think they, the offense looked like a real offense today. Yeah, they did. They it did. absolutely. That's, the mo- that's probably the most real offense, if you will, or the most contemporary offense they looked at this entire season, Andy. Uh yeah no there there's no doubt that they're rounding into form just when it matters most when they are done for the year and they're gonna all or some of them lose their jobs. Uh, by the way, I continue mm-hmm. to come back to it. You know who has the number one overall pick, right? Number one overall pick now belongs to the Chicago Bears, who won the Tankathon with the Houston Texans, defeating the Indianapolis Colts today, securing the second pick overall. They wouldn't have even needed that if they hadn't whooped your ass on a Monday night at Gillette State. I still Stop cannot there. get that. I still I can't get that game out of my mind. That the the team that picks the, number one overall might be the worst you. overall game this year. Oh yeah, I would definitely say that's true. You are and what you are, and I'm supposed to know about the aura and the banners and Gillette Stadium and the debacle with the quarterbacks. And you win that game. Bears lose that game. They don't have to worry about the number one pick. They have it already, and you'd be playing next week. Uh, to tease our first segment that will be coming up in the final 
portion here of the program. This is from our pal, the Lazar Show, the Lazar Show, Evan Lazar. A quote from Damian Harris a couple hours ago. Quote, if they'll have me, I'd love to be back. But at the end of the day, I know this is a business. End quote. That from Damian Harris, once again. See you. Uh, Damian Harris, Jacoby Myers, so many Patriots hanging in the balance. Will they or won't they? We'll play a little game of last call in the final segment here. Get you caught up on the scores and get our final thoughts on the season. When the final segment of the finale episode of the Six Rings postgame show comes right here at you on WEEI. When you came off the field, obviously, emotionally, very emotional. Now, have you played your last game? Uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm not sure. And I don't think it's fair to the, to the guys in that locker room to just talk about my personal situation. Uh, sorry. Given everything I've, got, I've had, you know, my dad told me when I was young, if I was going to play the game, that well, there's a certain way to play it, a certain way to go about it. I tried to make him proud, represent his name the right way, because that's how he did it. And that's what it's always been about for me. Patriots special teamer extraordinaire, 15-year veteran, and captain Matthew Slater, very emotional in his post-game presser in the locker room after today's 35-23 defeat to the Buffalo Bills, giving the Patriots an 8-9 record on the season. A losing record for the second time in three years. No playoffs for the Patriots again. Fitzy and Hart here with you until 7.30 when we go to Westwood One's coverage of Sunday Night Football, Lions at Packers. Right now, Andy, real quick, check of the scores. And uh, the Rams have the ball with two minutes left, tied 16-16 up in Seattle. 49ers, by the way, dominating the Cardinals. Looks like they're going to get the two seed in the NFC because the Commanders, are crushing the Cowboys 23-6 to in a game Dallas is trying to win. Bad <laughs> effort, bad look, bad way to limp into the postseason for Dallas. Good way to set up the trade to Dallas of Bill Belichick. <laughs> Ooh, it's a game like this that could have Sean Payton ticketed, no problem, easily certified on his way down to Dallas as well. Um, I just want to read with you one other quote from the postgame today. Uh, I got this from Chris Mason's Twitter feed, our pal by, at by Chris Mason. David Andrews on the finality of the season ending. Start rebuilding and try to get going for next year as soon as possible. So I ask you, Andy, a little last call here, checking in as we broadcast from our Best Yet brand studio. And, of course, we're brought to you by Zudi. Build any app your company needs in a week. Visit Zudi, that's dot com for your free trial. Here we go, Andy. Uh, I've rallied up a list of players. That's <laughs> right, Jigsaw. Uh... Last call. I want you to give me the percentage, uh, a likelihood, if you will, that this player returns, this player, coach, person returns next year to the 2023 New England Patriots as we look ahead to next season. We'll begin okay. with Matthew Slater. What, what, put a percentage. Zero. He gone! Yeah, Zero. that's it. Slate's done. I mean, he was crying <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. Um, Understandably so. And it's, it's, it's going to be a major loss on the field because I still think he was good in the special teams area, even though that was an area of concern today in other games. Um, but as we talked about, the leadership is going to be sorely missed. The spokesman, they always put him out there at the toughest time. Something really bad happens for the organization, the team, the locker room. You know, Matthew Slater can go out there, answer the questions, and handle it in the proper way. Yeah, I had the pleasure, I believe, of conducting the final phone-in interview with him on a Patriots Monday last Monday. 
when Kyrie Thompson and I did the afternoon program from 2 to 6, and I thanked him for the way he handled himself with class in the locker room, on the field, in the community, and all the calls to the station. Like, you just literally can't do any and all of that any better than Matthew Slater did. I can guarantee you somewhere the great Jackie Slater is smiling and proud of the effort put forth in an amazing career by Matthew Slater. Um, Devin McCourty. I'm going to leave a 5% chance that he comes back. He gone! No, he's yeah, I think he's gone, but just with him, you never know, and maybe when the dust settles. and Because um, remember a couple, the, the Super Bowl. We thought he was done at the Super Bowl. He was sort of openly talking about retirement, and he's played a bunch of years since. So I think he's gone, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure he's media-bound. I am too, based on the, as I said, he's retweeting uh, retirement type tweets on social media. <laughs> Those are usually a pretty good indication <laughs> that we've played our last game and we are bidding farewell. Uh, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, who is a free agent, and according to Spotrack, a quick check as to what his market value will be. Uh, many websites have him listed as the number one free agent wide receiver. Spotrack says he should be pursuing a four year. $50 million deal. He gone. He gone. Wow. What percentage do you give Jacoby Myers returning to the team next year? I actually give it a slight uh, 36%. Um, I think he has an affinity for the team. I think mm-hmm. he has a loyalty to the team. I think the team likes him. I just don't know that Bill Belichick will go where I think somebody else will because he's not a number one receiver. He's not a, even though he leads the team in receptions. He's not a number one receiver, and I think he's a luxury that a good team... Again, I've always said the Bills. I would love him to go to the Buffalo Bills with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you want him to stay here, but I also would like to see him succeed and have fun and win games and go to the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And, you know, those aren't necessarily things that are guaranteed to happen to him if he stays in New England. For a number um, one receiver, $12.5 million, three for 32 today with a touchdown. I think he scored in three straight games, for considering it took the guy forever, forever to get his first NFL touchdown. You know, good season. Solid season for Jacoby Myers. Had a really good, you know, one of the guys who actually, uh, one of the only guys who actually ramp, ramped up his production as the season went on. Uh, Ramondre had the best improvement overall from year one to year two, 21 to 22. Most of the rest of the offense, as we know, regressed. But Myers acquitted himself well, and he's going to get paid. I sure hope it's here in New England. Uh, running back Damian Harris. Uh, I would say there's probably a 15% chance. Actually, maybe it's a little more than that. Maybe it's more in the 30s. And the difference is I don't know what kind of market he's going to have. He's been injured a lot. He's never really been able to put together long stretches of, like, he's the guy, could he be a bell cow kind of running back. He's has to be probably seen as a part of a um, committee backfield. You know where I think he could end up? Let's just say Josh Jacobs prices himself out of Las Vegas after leading the NFL in rushing Ooh, in a contract year. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if, if Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler showed some interest in Damian Harris, but... Um, I don't think the Patriots would not want him back. I just think he's going to make a little bit of money, and when you have Ramondre Stevenson and now you have Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong that you you know, drafted a year early for this very reason, my, yeah, I'm going back to my original. 15% chance he's back. He gone! 
safety. He's Jabril. having a lot of fun with that. He gone. Uh, yeah. Well, drop. so far you pretty much have it at the percentages listed. You've got everyone gone so far. This team's got a lot of work to do this offseason. Safety Jabril Peppers. I think he could be back. I think Bill Belichick likes him. I can tell you I liked watching him play and light people up and lay the lumber and bring a certain swagger and physical style to this defense. And I'm not sure how much money would be available to him on the open market. So wouldn't surprise me if he signs a multi-year deal to return. So I'm going to put him there. What was that? That was I'm back. That was Cam Newton screaming I'm back last year in Carolina. Oh. Remember he took his helmet off, got a penalty oh. after he scored. That's what we got back i mean that didn't turn out very well the guy stunk um so yeah jabril peppers will put at 56 percent chance he's back just gonna go with random 56 percent. okay I, I was gonna go very well detailed. over 60 percent, but i like when you oh you're gonna go four percentage points higher Ooh, look at you you're a all round there. number i mean i'm not going with all local tv stations 38 56 no, i was going with patriot great andre tippett cornerback john jones he himself an unrestricted free agent uh, 12% chance he's back. <laughs> he gone! Yes, he's gone. He's going to get paid. You said it earlier. He's in line for a four-year, $50 million deal, which yeah. sounds like a heck of a lot of money, and I don't actually think that he'll get that. a lot of money for a cornerback who, you know, was one of the better slot corners in the league, now got pressed into number one corner duty more often than I think he would have liked. But his numbers are good against some of the smaller and quicker receivers in the NFL. Oh, yeah. His in coverage slot, on that he's good. What's that? In the slot, he's good. When yes. you say, I need you to match up with number one receivers, well, coach, um, that's not really what I do. <laughs> but he might get paid like that's what he do somewhere else, which would be pretty amazing. Uh, I'm going to give him a, I'll give 40% chance he returns. Oh, you're so optimistic. Well, it's better than nothing. Speaking of better than nothing, Miles Bryant. Um, he gone! No. No, he'll probably be back because he'll be a. Ch no one's going to want him. They clearly are comfortable playing him. They've been playing him for two years, despite the fact that no one watching the games as a fan or media type thinks they should be playing them or want him. He'll be back. I'm going to say 97% chance he's back. I'm back. <laughs> 97% chance. Ugh. Yep. People. I mean, that sound right now is people throwing their radios in disgust. I don't think there's anyone outside of Belichick and Patricia whose names were dragged through the proverbial online mud of Twitter more than Miles Bryant today. Yikes. He's going to get back. Get used to him. Uh, let's see. Any other ones? Uh, no, not Connor McDermott. Uh, Raekwon McMillan. Uh, he'll probably be back. I'm back. I feel, yeah, I feel, uh, 51%. I don't feel strongly about it, but they don't really have inside linebackers and i think i thought he did a decent job at times mm -hmm. this year maybe another year removed from the injury i could see him coming back what we need uh, to talk okay oh, I, got, I got i got uh one more for you player wise then we'll quickly run through the coaches isaiah win uh he gone he, gone! <laughs> he long gone hard to find unhappy and ready to move on like uh, can you envision him coming back with how no cranky he was and terrible he was that's a bad combination be bad and cranky and what's he going to get somewhere else i have i could not hazard a guess as to what his value in the open market is because it you know there's dumb people in the nfl there's people that will convince themselves that he's a great player he's worth some money change of scenery first round pick blah 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 and i don't think he is and i think i think he showed his true colors this year as a competitor 
he was upset and I think sulking and I think it affected his play. And if I'm another team, that would worry me as much as his short arms and, and lack of stature. The fact that you seemingly kind of tanked your season when you weren't getting what you wanted. Talk about acting like a petulant child. And you got paid ten and a half million dollars in the process to to be unhappy about having to switch from left tackle to right tackle, and you're probably better suited for guard in the first place. Can you imagine making ten million dollars, knowing you're going to continue? Could just stop there for a second. Can I just (laughs) can I just fantasize about ten million dollars, please? But you're making ten million dollars. You're going to continue to make millions of dollars. I don't know how many millions over how many years, and be as sulky and bitchy and whiny as he was all year, and it's funny we just we, we just we just heard 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 we heard Matthew Slater talk about <laughs> representing his family name. I don't think Isaiah Wynn represented his family name very well this year. Like if I were his dad, I'd be pissed at him. I would. Be. Yeah, I didn't be handle like, himself. Didn't handle himself. Too be well. a professional. I didn't raise you to be that. Be a professional for for once. All right, to the coaching staff and the sidelines. Bill Belichick. A hundred percent. Nope. 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 Ninety-eight percent chance he's back. I'm back. Ninety-five percent chance he's back. Uh, special offensive assistant Matt Patricia. A hundred percent chance he's back. I'm back. Actually, I have to marry it up to Belichick. Probably. Actually, no. He might have a better. Hundred percent chance he's back, but not it, in the role he's in. Okay. He'll be back within the organization somewhere. Hundred percent. He's back. Joe Judge. How come you don't have to answer any of these? Because I'm hosting and I'm asking you. Oh. I would say Patricia. Oh, 100% well, chance right. Patricia's back as well. Yes. I'm accurate, Andy. I'm the one who gets everything right. So this is probably a great segment. This is the one. I should be the one proposing this. Oh, who please. was it? Joe Judge? Yep. Um, He is tied to Bill Belichick. So I'll say 95% chance. 95%. Yeah. Could he be the special teams coach? Because I want the answer to this last one to be 0%. Cam Accord. I'm not going zero. I'm going to say like a uh, 20% chance that he's back. I think he'll probably be gone, be, you know, and, and probably a soft landing spot or something. Is there a chance he could go be, you know, Nick Saban's special teams coach or just lands on his feet somewhere, but, you know, out of here and out of the scrutiny of the New England fan base that right now uh, kind of despises him? Kind of, yeah. Not exactly a, a great final game to submit on the resume. Uh, or to post to the LinkedIn page. No. Uh, I don't think he's back. I'd give it I have 10% chance tops. 10%. All right, Andy, one more call, and then we will give our final thoughts on the season and a quick look ahead to 2023. Wait, Charles can I do one is on more? the line. Charles, you are the last call of this year's edition of the Six Rings and Football Things postgame show here on WEI. Oh, man, how about that? Lucky day for me. I really thought I wasn't getting on. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I, I think uh, I think there's a lot of overreaction. I, I get it. You know, it's you know two out of the last three seasons, losing records, not going to the postseason. But I think when you look at kind of what they've done, uh, like building the team, I think they just got to switch up the the sort of philosophy a little bit. Like the off season we had a couple of years ago when we signed everybody. Uh, to me, it looked like if we had Brady that would have reminded me like 2014 where it's like you get Brandon LaFell. He's not a guy that's a stud on another team, but you pair him up with Brady. He gets 900, almost a thousand yards. That's kind of how I felt with guys like Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. And then when it came to the tight ends, you know, they're just good, solid tight ends. They they weren't anything special. 
I think the the biggest thing is, you know, you got to get rid of Patricia, hopefully get Bill O'Brien in here. And then after that, it's just, uh, you know, you got to look at what options you have. I mean, obviously the draft is probably the best way to get a receiver, but if not, you got to look at like T Higgins or Michael Pittman, uh, like after next year, you know, whether you can trade for them before, uh, you know, before they become free agents or you just wait until free agency. But, that's kind of what I think they need to do because, look, they gave Mac Jones a bunch of guys who none of them had 1,000 yards in their career. I think Nelson Aguilar had the most decorated season out of all of them with, like, 850 yards or 900 yards a couple years ago with the Raiders. So yep. they need to actually get people who could start on other teams. So that, that's my <laughs> biggest uh... <laughs> that's All right, line. Charles, thanks very much. Appreciate that. So there it is, Andy. The mission, should you choose to accept it, go get guys that might actually start on other teams. So therefore, we should target guys who start on other teams already. Wouldn't that be Not a, like a bad offseason plan? I like where you're going with this, Charles. Just Charles, Andy, and Fitzy. We got this. We got this. Uh, yeah, Andy, I, we're I, wrapping in like a minute and a half, so I just want to get your uh, player of the game real quick. Patriots player of the game brought to you by Cars for Kids. The easy way to donate your car, donate today, and your car can be picked up tomorrow. Go to Cars for Kids. That's cars with a K dot com or one eight seven seven Cars for Kids. I am going to give it. Uh, there's a little bit of a sentimental vote here. Devin McCourty, interception, fumble recovery, pass defense in the end zone, and what may be his last game in a Hall of a Patriots Hall of Fame career. So Devin McCourty's your player of the game. And your final thoughts on this, a very tumultuous, controversial, ultimately unfulfilling 2022 Patriots season. It sucked, but it was kind of interesting along the way. The ups, the downs, the unexpected problems, the expected problems. And I will put one more quick. Will will they be back or not in New England next year? Fitzy and Hart, will we be back to the Six Rings postgame show next year? Percentage chances. Uh, I'd give it a 93.7% chance. (laughs) You're you're a little high on that. (laughs) Great job by you, Hart. I would say this was a fascinating and ultimately frustrating season, and it was unfulfilling. I won't go so far as to say failure, just to stick with the alliterative terms. Um, Disappointing, ultimately. Not not as joyful as as we probably would have hoped for, but in the end, like you said, great for the content, great for the discussion. Happy to have done the season here with you, pal. Great job by you, Nicholas LePan, Justin Turpin, everyone else who helped out behind the glass on the ones and the twos. And thank you to the members of Patriots Nation, the listeners of WEEI, for participating in the Six Rings postgame show, the podcast, and this little community we've been building. We hope to be back with you next season. We'll still be here on the Rich Keefe Show, the Six Rings pod, weekends, and so much more. So stick with us. Thanks so much. And unfortunately, no more Patriots games to talk about anytime soon. But the Pats discussion will keep on going. Don't you worry about that. All right, we're going to kick it over to Westwood One's coverage of Sunday Night Football. This is the end of the 2022 season and the Six Rings postgame show. Final score, Buffalo 35, Patriots 23. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a wonderful year. Talk to you soon. God bless, and as always, go Pats.